Hakako, everyone, and welcome to another weekly installment of Rabbit Holes. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Oh, hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. And uh, I, you know what? I'm happy to announce that uh, we're gonna start being uh, uh, contributing adults and members of society as uh, members of podcast and broadcasting. I would like to let everybody know that we. Uh, at Rabbit Holes and Novical Productions are accepting PSAs from nonprofits and ex- organizations on Maui. So if you guys have something to say and you need to get it out, our community's first. Um, with that being said, we are also, because it's an election season, we're also looking for political candidates. So if anybody out here on island wants to have their uh, message heard and they think that, you know, they're worth voting for, by all means, but, you know, gonna let you know you're gonna have to answer to me and sarah and to your Uh constituency so yeah i won't pull any punches but there were uh you know we'll we'll uh we'll be uh we'll we'll play nice but uh if you do if you do want the real interview and you want to get them real votes you got to be able to answer real questions so i am gonna have real questions and i'm gonna do my research and then that way sarah can learn how to do her research and everybody following along at home can double check you too so political candidates get your buttonskis on the show and we're gonna talk story about what you can do to change the community in this election year because we want to hear you that's gonna be fun Yes, absolutely. And with that being said, we're actually going to have a special interview from a very uh, very important person in the community, Uncle Norman over at Paupena. And we're going to talk about his program, what he's doing for the Hawaiian community, and and how we can contribute and help. Um, Also, this is going to expand into an even bigger segment. So for all you Kanaka listening right now, uh, I am a man on a mission. I want to talk to all of you. I uh, I found out some weird statistics in my time of being in the business that I'm in, and uh, you know, there are more Hawaii more Kanakas on the mainland than there are in Hawaii anymore because of uh, displacement. You know, a lot of us moved out. Like case in point, me I was I was raised in California. My grandparents left Hawaii uh, as pretty much children. Uh, they joined the military. They traveled the world. They got married. They had kids. They established themselves in California. You know, and our family went from there. You know, and that's the story of a lot, a lot of uh, not just even, uh, you know, Kanaka Hawaiians, but even, uh, you know, other people of the Pacific. Uh, So I I hope it's a story that you guys like to a story and a journey that you guys like to go on. But uh, have your eyes peeping out on all of the uh, Kanaka forums online because I will be putting up notices to interview every one of you. I'm coming for you. I'm going to come to your hooey. I'm going to come to your civic club, and I'm going to talk story with you, Enti. Oh. I promise. Okay? I, I want to. That's my mission. I, I know that, like, it's going to be hard to talk to, like, all two million of you, but we're going to find a way. All right? There's, like, I know it's, like, the last time I read, like, Kamehameha Census data, there's, like, two and a half million of us or something. And I know that number is getting bigger. And I know there's some places in the world that we aren't even counting, and I want to go there, bro. Okay? So, with that being said, uh, if you guys are on the Hawaiians on the Mainland Forum on Facebook, that's where I started, okay? So, I'm going to be putting out a form just on there because, like, I don't know what the load's going to be like, but, like, the outpouring for those who want to participate is already huge. So, if you guys are on the Hawaiians on the Mainland Forum on Facebook, uh, keep your eyes peeped for that because that's coming out this afternoon, okay? So, uh, Sunday, today. So, if you guys... You know, if it's after Sunday, if we've time traveled now, if if you forgot about us, but you're listening on Tuesday, hey, back past Sunday, 
We want to release something good. Check them out. All right. So uh, moving along from that, I uh, hope to uh, see some responses in that forum. If not, keep your eyes peeled on other forums. I will be doing some segments about uh, folks on Maui, folks on other islands. But I really want to try to start connecting Hawaiians that have been separate from other Hawaiians for too long. Because What are the forums about? What, what exactly are the forums, though? The forums that you're sending. So yeah. essentially, it's just a simple uh, podcast guest sign-up form. But there's been a few additions made to it to okay. allow us to talk story faster. Because gotcha. since there's like so many of us, like I figure, okay, I probably do like 20 minutes every week. And we could talk mm -hmm. to maybe like one, two, if lucky, three. But you know what? Hey, some of us stay Portuguese. So <laughs> so the thing is, when when that happens, you know, like I'm, I'm probably going to try to do a bunch of interviews every week. And then they're just going to stack up and it's probably going to turn to its own damn show for all I know. But like feasibly, uh, what what the so I, I've. The form is is detailed to ask you about like what what where you stay now, where yeah. you came from, what islands your family from, uh, what are you doing in your community? Is there a shout out in your community that you need? Is there something in your community that needs support? How can we kakua for Hawaiians abroad? Oh, it's you like know? a Hawaiian touchbase. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like my digital malama hanua. That's my I plan. Love okay, That's I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to only across the world. And see who chants back. So yeah. if y'all want to come on that ride, we going. I think that's a great idea. Dig it. That's going to be cool. Dig it. All right. So let's oh, get cool. to it. Let's get to the Maui. Let's get to, to Maui coverage first. And then we'll go talk about the world. And then we'll go talk about the weird. And okay. uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about gossip. And then, uh, and yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's, it's going to be a fun episode. So we'll be back in just a second. After this quick break from a very important sponsor. Moving forward. We live in a fast-paced world where many people are too busy to sit down and read books or news articles. But thanks to Newsly, you can now listen to the news you wish you had the time to read. By utilizing AI technology, a natural human voice reads you the news, helping you grasp the information faster and more efficiently. Newsly provides the latest news updates 24-7, letting you browse articles from topics you choose. It even has podcasts, including ours. And listeners of Rabbit Holes can get their first 30 days of premium for free, allowing you to enjoy an ad-free experience by using the special promo code in our episode description. So download Newsly today for free on iOS and Android or visit www.newsly.me so you can stay updated on the things that matter to you. Moving forward. All right, we're coming back from that break. Guys, make sure to check out that Newsly stuff. It's kind of, it's pretty cool. Uh, hey, have you tried it out yet, Sarah? I've tried it out. I've tried it out. I have. Yeah? I like it. Nice. I like that you listen to it. I actually was like showering and had it on so that I can catch up on some news while I was getting ready for the day. So it was perfect. Cool. I actually, I liked how uh, I could make like a Maui County feed and then I could make an Oahu feed and then I could make a whole chain feed and then like just like pop them all together. And then I, it is, I will have to say, I mean, yeah, 
it's it's uh it's 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 kind of like you got to get used to a robot at first but i like also like i've been around too many robots and programs in my life that like i kind of can tell when it's a robot but i gotta say guys the quality of this ai system is actually pretty good it, it is he's, really an, good. he's a nice fella he means well and he reads the night he sounds, authentic. Yeah. He sounds yeah. very authentic such a guy on that boy i feel like elderly people really loving this app you know yes yes i have actually i i i sent it to a couple aunties i i have them checking it out they 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 doing the r&d for real all right so i i actually because and it's one of those things it's like we don't take affiliate like it's not a, a, a light thing for us to take on an affiliate. I want to be very, like, conscious of, like, the partnerships that we have. So, like, what, what it really, like, to me, it what appeals about it is just the fact that, like, it's the access. People less mm -hmm. and less have access to the news. And then mm -hmm. they also less and less have access to, like, even being able to have the time to read the news. And then... And then news is beyond a lot, behind a lot of paywalls. So then it's like, we're already having subscriptions. But then there's certain things that like, okay, well, if we can combine everything to one subscription, this this gets it for us, you know? And then, it, so it's it just, I mean, it's it's good. Like, it, I can fit it in on my bike rides, which is great. Yeah, it's a one-stop place, too, you know? It's got everything just in one place rather than surfing the web for for the news. Yes, for the news. Yeah, the well, news. and that's the thing is, is it's got multiple sources. So you're not mm -hmm. just like just CNN or just Fox or just, you know, it's pulling from everything that you like. It'll suggest you from other sources. And there's no bias because it's just a robot reading the pages. So unless mm -hmm. they're reading op-ed articles to you, this news is going to be so vanilla, your tummy should be okay by the end of it. So you won't yeah. be like angry posting on the internet about it. But some of these subjects will keep you informed. So uh, speaking of informed subjects, hey, um... That big ass house in Apili. What oh, about it, Sarah? I'd be pissed if I was their neighbor. I'd be so pissed if they put up an eyesore like that. Like, it's only two floors. Well, okay. And so here's the crazy part. So they pulled that whole it's only two floors thing. But the existence <laughs> of its 45 foot height now spurred an actual, like, well, no, it made change in the regulations of the housing heights. So now, mm -hmm. so now this buck, so now this guy. <laughs> He found a loophole. Yeah, well, no, no, well, no. He's grandfathered in because he made he made the problem that they created the legislation for. Right. Exactly. He took so the he duty. He made one duty right there in the Pele, and then and then the government went, okay, you can make that duty, and then and then the people came out and went, no more make that kind of duty, but you can keep that house, and then so now, but he's he's you know, he he has the right friends. He knows the bureaucratic process. Here's the thing. If anybody wants to be angry about this, I feel it's totally justified. All right, I, half half of my blood and half my heart belongs to Napili. That, but see, yeah. that's the thing. See, he technically didn't break any rules. Break but rules. if this community wanted to see that, you know, it shaped the way it was, then they mm -hmm. sh they got to be aware. You know, you want to let you want to have your blood boiling. You want to be angry about this. But well, there's speculation that it's actually a hotel, right? That it's not like a residential building, that it is going to be made for something else. That he's going to, yeah, that he's going to like Airbnb. It's a fucking oligarchs or something. Yeah, that's exactly what it exactly. looks like. Exactly. It does. Like, it looks like a freaking posh Instagram hotel for six people. Like, 
there's a better chance that he's gonna sell it to Chad Huddy before like it actually like houses a Hawaiian or a rich Hawaiian in it. Absolutely. Which I don't have any other options behind Hawaiian or rich Hawaiian. Cause look, bro, the only way you're gonna get it is either waiting on the list to die or becoming one billionaire. So uh, I gonna try to do both, but uh, <laughs> realistically, I'll probably be a billionaire before I get my homestead land. Keeping in a hundred there. So, <laughs> but but I gotta say, you know, I got I got enough I got enough cousins over there, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, my cousin Jacob has to bike past that thing all the time, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, it's a bit of an eyesore, but that. That dude went and he did he did right by himself. He researched everything. He did all the paperwork. He did, and that's how these people rule the world. They create stupid rules and they create stupid papers. And if you do the stupid rules and you do the stupid papers, you get what you want. Mm-hmm. So, if you guys, if if there's anybody out there that doesn't like this, then go out there, do the stupid papers, and get even. Okay. All right. And <laughs> so, what was that? Eyesore. One more time, sir. Go build yourself another eyesore. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so on that same front, uh, things mm. we need to protect. Um, so, uh, the homeless camp in Kanaha. I remember when they did that last year. Yeah. But like now, now it's going to ramp up again and they're going to mm-hmm. use the excuse of the pandemic being over as a reason to relocate more people again. I mean, I, I would really love to be able to talk to, uh, representatives from city hall about this. It would be a much better way to get a resource. I, I mean, I'd even love to talk to the homeless about it if we could. Um, that would be cool. I'm sure we're moving them too. Like, when they move them, where do they go? Well, there's not – well, see, here's the thing about moving homeless in America. You know, and I can tell you this from multiple points of view. I, I spent almost eight and a half, nine years working in homeless nonprofits before getting back into the entertainment industry. And um, it's really – the only way that you take care of the homeless these days is by the kindness of people who show up in the community. Like in right. in Hawaii, we're lucky enough to have the kind of aloha to understand the certain things that get people in the places that they're at and why they end up homeless. Yeah. But then also because of the apathetic notions of a colonial nation kind of bleed into us. And eventually mm-hmm. that apathy sets in with our own people. And sometimes their aloha doesn't shine through enough or it becomes kind of schmaltzy and saccharine and fake. And then Mm -hmm. they only want to share it with who they feel is deserving of their aloha, even though like that's the give and take is you have to, you have to do it no matter what, even when it hurts, you know? Yeah. And so if, if a part of you hurts because these people are hurting, then go help them, you know? And so like, it's, it's, it's sad that like, I mean, we can live in a community where the people can be homeless one year and then they go, you know what? Oh, you guys take up too much space. So uh, we're going to put one pool here. And we, you guys can go live somewhere else, you know? And then, and then that happens. And then they move somewhere else. And now they got to go move somewhere else. Yeah, and they're so gonna they basically go, in the homeless to different yeah, spots. Well, and that's what they like, do. They redistribute like them. absolutely nothing in the process. Yeah. No, and this is a huge problem that we, we had in California. still happening in California. Like, mm-hmm. I ran, actually, and we'll, we'll cover this this year when we go to Comic-Con. Uh, cause we'll be there at Comic Con, but there's, there's actually a huge thing that I like, as far as like the homeless of San Diego have a place in my heart because like you guys have to see that when you go to Comic Con, you know? And I like growing up around San Diego as, as a Maui transplant to San Diego family, like there's, there was still like that effort to like cool for our community. So I grew up like my grandfather had already established himself on the West coast and was giving back. And so by the time that like I became 
you know, old enough to do, like, I was around to see it. And so then when you when you can see it in one place and you, you know it exists, you can just about find it anywhere else. Yeah. And over the past decade, you know, like, San Diego and L.A. are becoming the biggest hotbeds for migration for the homeless because it's the safest place to live. Mm-hmm. You, you're in a more liberal state, so there's protection. There's homeless protection laws. You know, yeah. you're you're also surrounded by more social services. So, like, we're kind of – California kind of sin eats the problems of the nation by taking in the destitute. It's one of the it, – California is one of the last states that can actually say that they take the – the tired, the poor, and the hungry. That's great. You know? And then people don't think about that. Like, we still have we still have Lady Liberty sitting out there, give me your poor, give me a tired, give me a hungry, and everybody's like, get these homeless people off my lawn. And it's like, bro. Yeah, we move them to the other side for a while. Yeah. You're, you're blocking my Instagram photo. Hashtag awkward. <laughs> so... <laughs> So all I got to say is, though, if they kick out all those guys and those cats come in danger next, they're going to have one big fight coming for them. Whoa, the one-eyed cats that live over there? Hey, man, you know what? We created that mess. Now we got to live with it because I'm sure as hell not going to be a part of killing that many kitties. So we might as well well just spay and neuter them all and let them live to the happy end like some otaku dream. Yeah, let them. Yeah, but no. So... Missing eyes, like these poor cats. Have you seen? Like, have you really seen them? They're yes. All, like, oh my god! You know how many times I get asked to do? I I had to do three location scouts over there in the past two years. So really? like, I- yeah. And so like the first time I was there, like I I hadn't like I hadn't seen it firsthand it's myself crazy. until Especially until the second time. They yeah. All come out. Yeah. They all come out sunset and it's like dude the whole parking lot i i bring a friend that she loves cats so when she visits i'm like i we always go there at sunset to look at the cats uh but yeah dude it's literally hundreds of cats up in there yep yep mm. i kind of want to just like i want to run like an uh, like on the street adoption program out of there like if we could just like one by one like and Will then you come out here we should go out there and just go out there at the sunset just get a little footage of all them cats yes yes well yes because you know what i'd i'd rather you know we can cover the cats and use the cats as a way to help the regular homeless people because i don't believe in videotaping the homeless like if someone homeless wants to come on the show and talk of their own volition that's one thing but like i do not believe in like hey bro we're gonna be at the soup kitchen so come tiktok with us fuck that shit like we have we have a mission there's not enough people doing this mission so also if you guys want to go out there and go do the kind help like do it but don't ask for anything in return don't be that like don't be that asshole howly on youtube has to go you'll never guess what this happened to this guy when i gave him ten thousand dollars it's like bro like half the time are, are those people even real second time it's like it's usually a setup if anything has like taught us in like howley mainland news but like it's woof yeah so i just don't i don't i don't it's it's not i think it's kind of gauche you know you yeah. don't who needs to take pictures with homeless people knowing that you change someone's per, somebody's you life don't need to should do that and nobody needs to know about exactly. it exactly but but at least to like finish out the point on like the whole like you know Kanaha homeless like I mean mm-hmm. so they're they're sweeping out all their all their stuff they're gonna try to go again I'm very sure but like not many people are realizing that like when these sweeps happen it's like just because like you thought that car on the side of the road was a blight it's like there's like three people that could have been sleeping in there sometimes cases six 
Like, you know, like, if that car's not going to move, they can carve out every avenue of that car. So, like, the trunk is for the baby and the back seats for, you know, whoever feel like getting the, the hump on their back that night or they put one pillow down. Some guy sleeps mm-hmm. underneath the car. Some guy sleeps on top of the car. You know, if the car's on stilts, nobody sleeps on top of the car. But you know what? Like, these, like, it's it's a homaging lifestyle, but what do you expect for people who have to take resources from the street? Mm-hmm. You know, but like at that same aspect, like again, like, hey, if there's anybody out there in the community that feels that they can cuckoo for these folks, go stop by there in your free time. OK, yeah. Don't tell anybody who sent you. Don't tell anybody why you did them. Just go out there and do it. All right. You got extra food. Go drop them by. All right. Yeah, you got extra Bye. blankets. Now's the time. All right. Mm-hmm. Because that's the other thing is if if our political leaders and our representatives and our government officials see the community going out there, then they recognize that they have to lead in the same measure. Because yeah. our, cons- our our representatives... Let's make them look bad, guys. Let's make them Well, look not bad. only... No, it's... No, let's make ourselves look better. Okay? Because that's the problem, is our our representatives only get better if we raise the bar. We, we've mm-hmm. constantly, like, misled ourselves into this idea that, like, our representative has to be the best of us no we are our community so we should all be the best and meaning that person has to know that when they stand up there they're carrying the respect of their county behind them and they're an emissary for their constituency we need to stop stripping people of this idea that like we look to the politician and they solve everything the politician only knows what to do if you tell him you vote for these people to tell them what to do okay politicians are servant leaders that is encoded in what they're meant to do for the community so if we're not our best behavior that's why you get political cronyism we cronies so they go off and they be cronies in their own little corner and we're like hey bro don't watch me while i go do this then so they don't watch and we don't watch and next thing you know nobody watching nobody and all this shit's going down so that's how it goes i think you nailed it (laughs) let's nail it every week if we can all right, that's that's the thing is we have to nail it every week, kids. The future is depending on us. But you know what? Something we can celebrate out about Hawaii. We are the, we are the least fat. We are the least fat. I think it's because like the colonials tried to starve us out these past seven years, but like inflation just kept getting us. And you're like, you know, bro, I like growing my own food, and we did. Yeah. Hey, you know, I like, I like yeah. And kind of what was that? I said, living in your bathing suit kind of puts you on the path of like, hmm, I've got to be showing this thing off every single day. Maybe I should uh, invest a little bit in it. You know what? Only being in Hollywood has gotten me back into that. I mean, like, yeah, I've always kept it like kind of a maintained dad bod, but I got to say just because of like Hawaiian, like, you know, just that whole like, oh, we're island people thing. Like as a kid, like I did not become aware of my body until I got into entertainment. So that's like I ne- like it just it wasn't it's well different from like the girl especially coming from the mainland too because I like I I even say like my mainland body and my Hawaii body they're two completely different bodies yeah when but I'm but I'm yeah 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 no and that's a there's a certain thing about just like it, it's a in, in a culture like like this like people take you everything for what you are because like it's it's small town USA you know right. it's no different than being in backwards Arkansas. Like, mm-hmm. Makawao, Haleakala, Kula, you know, Pukulani, all them, like, Haiku, like, it's just different versions of each, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, I, I have, I have mainland equivalents that, like, from traveling all over the mainland, like, when I'm in little townships of Maui, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is, like, 
This one's like the Riverside. And then this one's this one's totally like Arkansas County type of shit right here. <laughs> but you know, and like you kind of see the elements of each. But no, like uh Hawaii be proud. We not the fattest guy in the room anymore. All right? So, sisters, you thick, but you're not fat, all right? Everybody else is fat. You can keep it thick though, right? It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> oh, you know what? Before we finish the subject on Hawaiian folks and people. So, um, weird thing. So, something interesting to think about because of inflation. Uh-huh. We're now reapproaching the sugar daddy era. The sugar daddy era. There was a When did the era stop? Well, exactly. When did the era <laughs> stop? But it goes, but it goes into higher modes when inflation occurs. Really? Yes, because they're so sugar daddies and sugar mamas go into force. And it was funny because I was like, I was really like sitting there, like when they started announcing like the Ukraine thing and like, because I pay attention to all the legislation and what's going on and like all this stuff. And then knowing that the corporations were going to dick us and raise their rates, even though they technically don't have to, because technically oil's cheaper than it's ever been right now. And we're totally fine, but they're overcharging us because they can. So make sure to complain to your elected official to regulate the oil companies. Mm. Because you know what? At this rate, if the oil companies keep pissing us off, we'll all switch to electric as fast as we can. Okay? Right. I, like, we're going to make it happen. I don't By hell or high water. Either that or everybody, like, or we're going to invent a really cool zipline gun like in, like in the video games and everybody can just whoop everywhere. Or maybe tubes like in Futurama. Oh, like I that, don't know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Darkwing Duck or Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get dangerous, Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, mm. all right. So uh, last couple news points. Let's uh, I, I kind of wanted to reflect on the world for a moment here. Um, you know, Let's yeah. So, I mean, I haven't been really watching the news too lately about the Ukraine stuff because it was really depressing for the past couple weeks. So I kind of took a break. So <laughs> is that what we're going to go into? We're gonna fill me you in. know what? I, I will have to say that, you know what? There is nothing wrong with that, Sarah, to a degree. Um, that's, that's how most Americans feel right now. They're like, they get depressed about watching other people's plight. Um, I'm going to take a breather and be like, okay. Whew. Yeah. I don't, I don't come from that school of thought. Like it's, I feel it's okay for certain people that just like, if that's your, like you need the breather because you have to be able to like, I was, I was raised by a man who like put it in perspective of me that made me like on a Catholic guilt slash Kuliana slash fucking every other like level of of requiredness in destiny was that I had to be able to think of nine billion people before myself. Oh, so, so like you, I you yeah I guilt. seriously like I do I I get super Catholic Hawaiian guilt when I'm not like so like that's why like I have to do things you about need to it. Take a little thing in self care then. No no no, no. self care is totally in my equation. Like Good. I I've got I've got that in my life. But there is there's a certain point where you just can't like there's no rest for the wicked. Mm. And until we are all no longer wicked and we're wicked by association. So long as wickedness lives in this world, we are wicked by association. So there's mm. no rest for any of us as far as I'm concerned. And that's the way my gramps rolled. You know, that was a guy who fought in Korea, Vietnam, would have done it again, too, if they didn't fucking expose him to sarin gas and lead him to die at 58 years old of freaking Agent Orange. But you know what? The dude was a tank, and he did it, and he kept going, and he fought for it, and he fought hard every day. 
And so it's like when I think about him and all the people like that before him, like, you know, it's just like we have to keep the tor- torch burning. You know, there's like it's it does seem like at a certain point, OK, to like, yeah, you got to take a break and think about yourself. But it's like how much change can we effectually make? Like if I'd like to be able to say that I could do anything with this show is like if our advertisers make some money, that's good for the economy. If we hear the voice of our people and we spread the message, that's that's a win. But if there's anything that I can change in this world by mm-hmm. doing all of that, it's making drastic shifts in the pendulum swing because we're like we're so far behind. It, you know, and it's like I, I I sound like a doomsayer, but it's like, guys, we've inherited a broken machine. Mm-hmm. So if we don't recognize what's broken, like it, my my father is is essentially a, a robotics and food packaging mechanic. And there's a certain way that I've watched the way that that man like fixes the food that is made for us every day. Um, and uh it's just the there's a simple level that that mechanics and engineers look at problems. You know, by no means am I an engineer or mechanic, but I think if there's anything that my my father taught by expression of that was how to be like a mechanic of humans. How did mm-hmm. he relate his ability into my ability and where I get that from? Um and uh there's just a way that guys like him look at things, you know? So it's I, you know, when I, when I look at like, how do I solve the bigger problems of the world? It's like, well, what happens in a bakery? You know, <laughs> like, okay, well, we got to turn off this machine. We got to make sure the yeast isn't exploding over there. And then we got to do this. But then this is how you get the bread back out. Or this is <laughs> how the yogurt's made. Or this is how the Coca Cola's made. You know? So there's, I feel that like as a community, we need to start recognizing like, okay, what machine can we turn off right now that can make a drastic change? Like, could we really like, really make huge a huge impact on the ecosystem if we got rid of the entire pacific garbage patch today or tomorrow in less than a week or how could we change enough of the economy to make it to where jobs are are fruitful again and that small businesses know how to grow or that people don't have to be homeless and that those mm-hmm. the crazy uncle joey's out there that decide for stay homeless they can mm-hmm. props to you uncle joey sometimes that's just a choice Go for it, bro. Do you, boo-boo. He was a crazy guy, but I love him. So, um, crazy stuff to to think about in this world. And so, like, one of the crazy things that, like, I mean, we're, um, there's been a lot of talk about gun reform in this country. And that's, like, that's a dirty, that's a dirty two-word phrase to say amongst Republicans. So, I know I'm going to get heat for this because I'm not a guns Republican. And usually Republicans are for guns. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's I mean, well I mean well actually guns is kinda on both sides these days. You know, so mm-hmm. unless you're like ultra liberal, think of the children, like I've even noticed most like liberals towards the center of gun people now. Like we're kinda mm-hmm. back into the eighties. Like I think like gun culture's kinda come back up in that. What do we really need a gun for? It's a tool. It's a utility. That's the way that I look at it. It yeah, can like it can attack things. It can it can it can get you dinner. It can take a man's life. It can uh, shoot your toe off if you're drunk as a skunk and you try boar hunting. Damn it, Timmy, you lost that big toe on purpose. <laughs> That's all your fault, bro. <laughs> He's got worse things on his plate, though. That's a story for another time. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So like, I understand why hunters have them. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I you know, like, yeah. Like, 
Joe, like just going to work and coming home. Like, and I can see people want it just for like the safety of like, you know, breaking into the house. No, and that's having, a colonial but, thought right there. Is that, it a that whole, thought? I think that's a colonial thought. I think so that, why, do you, why, why, do you why should you have to live in fear? Why should you have to own something? Like, I think a warrior should have like, have a weapon if they are practicing that weapon. That's totally cool. If you're a sharpshooter, if you know what you're doing, if there's a practical application for that gun in your life, if you're just somebody who has small dick syndrome because they feel that they can't protect their family or they chose poorly of their neighborhood and they live in a poor neighborhood or their neighborhood has become a poor place, guess what? You're not going to solve your bad neighborhood with a gun. You need to get out there, hit the bricks, and you need to change your neighborhood by hand, not by force, Okay. Mm. All these people that fly out of neighborhoods, you know why your neighborhood went to shit, guys? Because you didn't show up. Yeah. And then now, and that's all Americans have taught indigenous people is how to run away. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, to a degree, like, I'm very envious of reservation life indigenous Americans because, like, there's nothing that makes them want to leave. But then at the same time, a lot of their economies are stuck in a rut. Like, let's put a checkbox in that. After Hawaii's done, I'm going to the reservations. But... <laughs> It's just, eh, it's, but what's, what's, so what's, what's maddening right now is, so in the, in the gun reform, uh, stuff is that we're just, we're not, we're not seeing enough support from the public. And then it's how long yeah. until, how long until we go back to school shootings? How long until we go back to a rise in, actually, we're already back on a rise in petty crime. Um, yeah. it's actually higher than it's ever been again. So which I, I'm surprised that we're not like seeing more catalytic converters disappearing again. Um, inflation is going to cause a lot of small town theft and, you know, and that's usually the first thing. So like on the, on the funny side of inflation, you've got sugar daddies and sugar mamas, but on the downside of inflation, you're going to see theft. You're going to see robbery yeah. go up. Okay. Because people won't know how to get it. So you're going to see people leave their life behind Getting and go, yeah. Yeah. Crazy things. Yeah. Yep. One thing leads to another and they all just go down the hole and they're, they're lost to it. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, really, like, gun reform doesn't affect responsible gun owners, okay? Mm -hmm. Let me repeat, gun reform does not affect responsible gun owners, okay? Gun reform makes it so that way the people involved with the handling of the gun in the event that it does terrible things are held responsible. It prevents yeah. irresponsible people from having guns, Okay. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch of states I can take you to right now where we can walk into one state, buy a gun in like ten minutes, and then cross the state line and go buy bullets. But you could That's not. Terrifying. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and then also like all the laws that you can hack in order to get like a carry permit in states that you're not even supposed to take a gun. But then you can go like be a PAI in the state of Virginia and they get a federal carry permit, and then you could show up in California with your little permit at Disneyland if you wanted to and be that asshole. Wow. Yeah, and it's and really at, at the end of the day, all the people that are like caught up in the traipsing around town with their gun type of stuff, like in those types of towns, like you know, like I don't, I, I and I want to be clear, like I don't really feel that like I'm attacking any of Hawaii when I'm talking about gun reform because outside of like some crazy stupid shit that my uncle, t <laughs> my cousin Timmy went pull on one hunt, like that's you don't like you don't hear a lot of irresponsible gun owners. There's a no. lot. We have a huge problem with alcoholism and meth, but Ooh, yeah. gun owners, gun owners, you're kind of good out here, guys. You know, <laughs> but like in general, like it's a huge problem on the mainland. So you have to think about like representing that legislation. As being good at gun owners, we have to be an emissary and promote 
good good gun usage in the community how do you respect it like it's a tool you know it's a spear like any other it can take a life it can give a life it just depends on how you use it yep. so yeah no but yeah we we will have to cover the math problem and and the alcoholism problem i'm like it's really bad i you know what personally i had a bad problem in my 20s i worked in the bar and entertainment scene so it's really? like i had a six night residency so it got to a point after knowing all the bartenders because like my show was busy like we we had a well advertised show we had a great program my like my the way that I treated my customers like I kind of like I really just hacked everything that I knew from like watching like shows in Oahu as a kid I took to like karaoke shows on the mainland and it worked and then I did <laughs> and then eventually got into like variety shows and shit but like yeah it's um but yeah, it, it was a, it was a really interesting time for having that much access to booze for free. Like, if there's anything that's like it's an easy gateway in the entertainment industry, is like especially when they don't want to pay you more, because then they're right. like, yeah, you know, because then when you're 24 and they're like, look, kid, we can't give you another hundred tacos a week, but we can give we you, can a, give but they would give me a handle every night, mm. and that's the crazy part is like at my peak by like year five of doing that shit. I was slamming like a handle a night on the weekends and like owners would come out and be like, and you know, people would look at me crazy and they'd look at the owners or they look at the bartender and they're just like pouring like the thickest fucking drinks in the, who the fuck is he? And they're like, he's my cash cow. He can have whatever he wants. And I'd just be like, woo, yeah, we're going to do it. And then I'd get up there and fucking do my show. I'd do my thing. I'd be on point, you know, but then there would be that certain point where it started catching up with me. You know, it ruined the rest of my life. Because, like, I could be that person when I was on and I knew how to control it. But then there's the <laughs> fallout of the hangover. And then there's the part where you start drinking enough, kids, it's not going to look pretty. Okay? It it's not It's not good for your insides. It's not good for your outsides. I'm not saying quit it immediately, but moderation is key, Joey. That's moderation. That's, yep. that's all That'll it is. Destroy your body. Meth, on the other hand, not even once. Don't do that oh, shit. God. Not even once. Okay? You want to put weird shit in your body, like... Go let Uncle Sam test on you. They'll give you the craziest shit. You can join some MK Ultra level scam, and Uncle Sam will give you a weird pill that may make you lose your hair, but you'll think you're seeing the moon in your dreams. You know, <laughs> like go 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 to a trusted official for it. I don't know, but like I seriously like I I think that it's it's terrible what meth and fentanyl are doing to everybody in America, but yeah. at the same time, America created this. Thank you, yeah. Reagan. Thank you, Nixon. Like, big stains on the Republican Party. It's like, gee, guys, huh? it's really getting hard to want to historically be a Republican when, when you think about all the things that we've done to this country. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the I mean, if it weren't for the war on drugs, we wouldn't have meth and we wouldn't have fentanyl. You know? Mm -hmm. The LAPD is responsible for most of the illegal guns that go to the Sinaloa. Yeah, you want to see an interesting documentary on that? Watch Mariana Van Zeller Trafficked on Hulu. That's an addiction of mine. Okay, there's even a new season out. But she follows the gun trade and she follows the fentanyl trade. And she goes down the whole thing. She interviews a dirty fucking cop. She doesn't disclose who he is. Nobody's going to fucking know who he is. But, but yeah, she manages to get in with dirty cops. She hangs out with the Sinaloa. She goes on part of the journey of walking through the fields, collecting it on the boats. Okay, she's she meets human traffickers on her show. She's met uh, Jamaican rap scammers. She's met Holy freaking shit, love what scammers. Is it called it's called Trafficked, featuring Mariana Van Zeller. She's, 
Traffic, okay. Mariana Van Ziller, Hulu, worth it. Like, actually, you I know. Tonight. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's it's true crime and action. Mm-hmm. That like, there's even an episode where she watches a live a live drug cook. <gasps> like you can actually like first time. And well, they obviously cut certain parts out of it, but like you meet a chemist in the show. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like Breaking Bad ain't got shit on where where she's gone. Oh, and Breaking Bad was so good too. I'm not gonna lie, I liked it. I just couldn't like, and even as much as I love Bob Odenkirk, I just couldn't finish Better Call Saul. What was that? I'm sorry. I said everything about that show was just so well done. The story, the acting, like just everything about that show. Absolutely. Have you seen any of the alternate IPs adaptations of it? No. Did you know in 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 Latin America that Breaking Bad? is about a guy and, and a boy who'd start a weed farm instead because weed's worse down there or portrayed as worse. Really? Yeah, because, oh, like... The, the, the Spanish version of it? Yeah, because, like, how could you make... How could you make meth manufacturers the bad guy slash the hero in a story where, like, it's already like that in Mexico? So they're mm-hmm. like, well, shit, we got to change it to something else. Oh, you know what? Weed dealers. They're going to be weed dealers now. Yeah. <laughs> That, but that's, like, the crazy thing that happens. Like, not all IPs get sold out to other countries, but every uh-huh. once in a while, if a show's a big enough hit, like, look at The Office. America didn't yep. – does The Office is an adaptation of a U.K. property. Coupling, yep. okay? Fucking uh, – what is that new Spirits, the ghosts one on CBS or whatever? The, the, the lady who lives with all those ghosts in her house? That's a, that's a BBC knockoff. Like – Is it? Yes. Like, half of everything on TV – is is a knock oh is a remake of an IP from across the pond and it just tested well in another market and they're like you know adapt it to the location and boom you got yourself a brand new movie smart yeah yeah we could just be making new content we could just That's- be making better content <laughs> oh be- you know what speaking of better content we could talk about that after these next messages yeah moving forward When you don't vote, what you're really doing is letting somebody else take power over your own life. You wouldn't give your grandmother the power to decide what clothes you wear to the club. You wouldn't give your crazy uncle the power to post a picture to your Instagram feed. So why would you give a stranger the power to make far more important decisions in your life? Voting is the only way to ensure that your concerns matter. Period. Moving forward. Welcome back, guys. So we just went over some news, and we, well, it's about that time. It's springtime. So let's get into some spring cleaning, Kavika. Have you been spring cleaning? Uh, We started working on our yard, uh, working on certain parts of the house. I don't know, like, my... uh, my recording trailer gets kind of messy at times. It's it's kind of yeah yeah. I could I could stand to clean my desk. Uh, it's yeah. definitely time to detail my car. Uh, did you time away to do all of this? Like, did you like figure out like okay, um, I'm gonna take like three days for my spring cleaning, four days. Like, how long does it usually take for you to get your spring cleaning I, done? I tend to have to partition my cleaning in pieces, but like I also like. 
I, I know I don't know I think maybe it might just be like a Hawaiian thing but like my my grandparents were very much of like a, always being in motion of being mm-hmm. clean and well taken care of you know so your spring cleaning was always spring cleaning yeah kind of, every like, day was kind of spring cleaning especially when my well, mom like, went got know, her own I, house you know like Hawaiians like well you don't really have like a season to be like oh it's starting to get warmer outside like we should probably clean like I'm from Michigan and Chicago so spring cleaning like it was definitely when it was like oh it's starting to like there's not so much snow on the ground like you can walk outside without this huge winter coat and it like sparked this like drive to want to like clean up but it's a little bit different here in Hawaii because we don't have that so it's kind of like going along with the mainland and being like oh it's time for spring cleaning oh okay I guess it's spring I guess I should probably hop on that bandwagon yeah no every day was spring cleaning with my tutu I mean seriously like I mean we were the kind I mean most Hawaiians are practically like we're the kind of people that like you clean your house before the maid comes over. If like you had like a really big event and you know you yeah, needed yeah, yeah. one like maid clean, but then Tutu would be like, "No, we gotta clean the house before the maid comes over," you know. And then you got yeah. clean, and you just like, there's always a reason to just like be tidy. When I had like house cleaner, I always would be like a little embarrassed and like they're gonna judge me if it's too dirty. But yeah, like even, like my Tutu was like crazy to the point of like it was always cleaning all the time. But I shouldn't say crazy because yeah. you know what, like it put good habits. Like it really like it 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 really like I was that kid that like I was used to getting up at like five thirty, six o'clock. I like I had to make my bed and then mm-hmm. I had to go get the paper and then I go That's make up. And yeah, I mean I wish that I could keep up on it like on a weekly basis. I just can't find the time to do all of those like things that you put you know, put us aside to get the more important things done in your life, you know, work grocery shopping, all that good stuff. But I feel like, I don't know how you attack spring cleaning, but I have to have like a checklist. Like I cannot just be like, okay, I'm going to start spring cleaning and just start attacking things. I will get so overwhelmed and pop back and forth between each room that I will end up not getting anything done. Do you have to like go through a checklist when you do your cleaning or do you just kind of dive right into it? Well, I kind of just, I kind of just like, envision the spot i'm gonna go for and then i commit to just that spot so i don't go like Uh i don't look at it like if there's anything that i've learned as like a checklist completer like goals are best achieved on smaller scales so like Uh for those of you that have a hard time with making a checklist of like how to spring clean your whole house like don't look Uh at the whole seven days look at day one just plan day one all right yeah and then get through day one you takes six to seven days the average american it takes six to seven days to clean so just have that in your mindset when you're about to attack this sorry go ahead yeah no i mean but yeah that's i mean it's it it can be daunting if there's like a week worth of cleaning for your average person in america like don't look at it from like oh i gotta i've gotta clean the rafters and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna no just pick one just go get the one because when you get yeah. the one done, you're going to feel really good afterwards. And especially That's if you line great. them up in the right way, once you're done with one, it's going to point you to the next. So, like, mm-hmm. set yourself in a path to where you're going to, like, make yourself from the back of the house to the front door, you yep. know? And so then that that's- way you've got to see it every day you go in and out of the house. And then that's... that's- yeah, yeah. If it's right in front of you, you've got gotta to exactly. at some point. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I guess in like a lot of cases for being that, like, I don't have like a ton of spring cleaning, like it's really Mm -hmm. like, it's more just like setting aside the time to go, all right, well, it's that time of the month, uh, you got to clean the toilet hard, you know, stuff like that. Um, I think that there's a lot of, 
floors. Like I'm, I feel like my floors, I always have to attack like really, really often. But I, I agree. And I think that it's a really hard thing for like mainland millennials. Like I am like, I've had some dirty moments in my life. I can be dirty <laughs> at times. Like there's, produ- okay. you know, production, you just forget about oh, everything. Production. There's no room to clean. Yeah. Like I, so disgusting when we're in production my house is trashed i'm living off of crafty foods or whatever's in the fridge from the week before because obviously i don't have time to go grocery shopping so yeah people that are in the film industry like you guys don't got time at all they're like working constantly to do spring cleaning yeah no you so that you got to fit it in in phases in your life you're just like all right well after wrap then i guess i can do this you know, so like, I guess, I don't know, for, for the, uh, for what I've seen out of my generation, like having roommates, I mean, like I could be dirty at times and like, yeah, I could even like forget about some dishes for a while or I could just like not touch something for a week. But like, I've never felt like I've been in an incursion so bad to where it like, you know, you start getting films on things. Like I've been to some places, I'm like, wow, you said you cleaned it because company was coming over (laughs) and, uh. I could, I, there's no place in this place that I'd want to sit down. How is this acceptable? You know, but, <laughs> and so I think to, to a degree that like, you know, we're, we're lucky in some cases for our, like our background and our heritage that like yeah. cleaning in general is a thing. And then spring cleaning is like a real deal. So I, I don't know. It just, I, I think that like, if it feels daunting to any of you out there, just take it in small pieces. Yeah, take it in small pieces, definitely. And I think spring cleaning, we need to think also that spring cleaning our space, at the same time, we're kind of spring cleaning our mind. You know, declutter your space is kind of decluttering your mind. If you are decluttered in your house and you feel that, it's 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 your mind too. So I think it just goes hand in hand. And yeah, it's a great... Uh, so like when you... like So when you're talking about like cleaning your headspace like what what where where do you where like what 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 do you consider cleaning your headspace I feel like cleaning my headspace um I think just getting all of those thoughts out right I feel like just taking the time for like mindfulness and I think cleaning your space is a great time to take to, to, to do that, you know, you're focusing on the task. It's a great way to just kind of let your mind go and practice some meditation and know that as you're cleaning your space and having that, like have that in your mind that you're cleaning your headspace as well. Um, and it kind of ties in with like, you know, feng shui. That was super big for a long time. And I haven't really been hearing about feng shui lately. Have you? Oh, you just said a magical trigger word. Really? You what? said the magic word. Yeah. Uh, feng shui is bullshit. What? I don't think it is. Feng shui I mean, is one thousand percent provable bullshit. It's provable bullshit. It's been proved I to be bullshit. It's all about perspective. Nope. Because nope. Feng because shui there. Did you know there is no training model behind feng shui, and that there is no actual like translation of like what moves in your space and how? Well, but I think it has to do with your mindset, though. It's mm. just that having that. Yeah, but see. That, but the practitioner of feng shui is like mm-hmm. that. It's a. It's essentially like a personal phenomenon. So like, it's what feels good to you. So like, there's no such thing. It's it's there's no such thing as someone who can come in and like feng shui your house for you. Those don't exist. Those but are I bullshit. They, I think they can rearrange your space to make you feel better. Nope. I really no. No, you want to see something I, amazing? No, but 
I rearrange my space, I do feel like yes. something flows better. Like you break something I, in your house, you know, like how you can know, I put this? I can explain that with marketing. Huh? I can explain that with marketing psychology. This is the same thing that happens when the grocery store moves one aisle. It's a new what? it's a new sense of adventure for your brain. You now have to reconnect the puzzle. So it makes it but interesting. Don't but don't you want that constantly in yeah, your house? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, and it's good. But the actual act of feng shui is like a provable bullshit item. Like you, you can you can take one hundred people who say there are feng shui masses that can come into your house, <laughs> and they will give you bullshit reasons to put it in different spots, and none of them match. So yeah, you, you can actually watch this. There's an awesome episode. No way to scientifically prove it, no. but I think intuitively people can feel it, and I yes. think there's a lot. That intuitively, when something is rearranged a different way, you can just feel it because you don't feel like an impact over here. And maybe that and opens this. That's area. where I agree with the idea of feng shui to the point of like, if you feel moving that moves you, do you, boo boo? Yes. Okay, but and there that's is. There's, things, rather yeah. than being like scientific reason yeah. why you should do it, it's all about how you feel. Yeah. It feels good well, the problem is, is like. Feng shui culture got appropriated by a lot of Howley ladies on the mainland. So it, it's a service that's sold by so white people. Uh, <laughs> what was that? One more time? Oh, they ruin everything. Oh, no, hey, not necessarily. Sometimes on the weekends. But no, uh, but I, there was actually uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, the magicians, Penn and Teller, had this awesome show on Showtime called Bullshit. And they actually covered topics like this. And they're like, okay, so feng shui, is it real? Let's go get like some real Chinese feng shui magicians. Let's go get some shitty Americanskis that think that they can do this. Let's find out how it's taught. Let's find there's no there's no actual way that it's taught. It actually mm -hmm. just comes from a line of thought in personal wellness. So it's yeah. just like it's a do you thing. And that's how I've always used it too, yeah. is a personal thing. Not that it's like a science that no, is yeah. in, in American culture it's it's sold it's sold as a cult of personality. Like the books, the books on feng shui are bullshit. Like, don't read a feng shui book. Just go out. Feng shui is an art you learn on your own for yourself. It's That's I like this I here. Feel. Yes. The energy feels better when I'm facing this yes. window because of the wind in my hair or whatever reason. Yes. You know. Yes, so. I'm I'm fine with that concept, but I do not like the Americanized capitalism colonialist like selling to you as a barnes and noble coffee table book feng shui you cannot you cannot define it in that way you cannot resell it and repackage it in that way that is one of those i feel that feng shui is more like a if you like it's like one of those words that means more than just like the first like it's it's like a word that means like a series of sentences of feeling you know like schadenfreude you know like that you, you know words that don't have an english explanation so oh, there's not okay. like a literal translation of the word. So like Schadenfreude in English means like the happiness at the expense of other people. You can't. Right. So when you're saying that, like there's no you, in, there's no word for Schadenfreude in English outstating that whole sentence. So personally, to me, like when I look at feng shui, feng shui is an embodiment of a phrase, at which to create your own personal motto off of it and how it applies to you. You know, that's that's the most American word I can give it. Yeah. Because it just, I, I really feel that it, it gets repackaged and resold. And especially during, like, spring cleaning season. Because people get oh, addicted yeah, to that I stuff. Oh, yeah, I that that happens all the time. Yeah. So you take it as, yeah. Don't, don't, yeah, just just don't buy those silly books. Anthony, if you're listening, just move that ottoman. And if you like them, stick them there. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you like it, keep it. <laughs> but yeah, don't don't let some weird feng shui master tell you what to do. They're not real. <laughs> go go find you like a real Shaolin master. Go talk to the Sifu, and then maybe he'd tell you how to clean your house. But don't <laughs> don't find some feng shui weirdo. Oh, so man. we cleaned our face. We're cleaning our heads. Kavika, master of technology. How do we clean our media? Oh, our man, all that that's. Stuff. Okay, because so and with it all, right? Our houses and our minds are bogging us down. Our computers probably bogging us down too. So, uh, how do you attack that? Because I know my computer definitely needs uh, some spring cleaning. Well, it's not just your computer; it's your social media. It's so like I mean, well, there's a lot of things in it. Like I really think <laughs> that like on a, on a first and foremost level, like we as like uh, business centric people in the modern age. Like, I think file management's a big thing. Like, I was lucky enough to, like, be a son of a bureaucrat, spend time working in the state secretary, uh, the city secretary's office, and, and being a document handler, and, like, being that guy who sits there and creates file trials all day for, you know, federal minimum wage. Um, I took a lot of those boring things and I applied them to, like, how do I, you know, like, it's it kind of sounds dumb at first, but, like, can you find any file on your computer right now without having to use the search feature? And can you find it in less than five clicks? No way. I can. And that's, like, an everyday practice. And once you get it down, like, everything goes that way. Because in a yeah. lot of cases, like, you download something to your downloads folder, and then ten months later, everything's in your downloads folder. And then sometimes you'll occasionally move stuff, or maybe you might create one for a project, or you'll start one for production hoping that, yeah, you'll use it during production, but will you really? No. 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 That's why, like, when I sent you the one, like, because we're going to compete in the 48, like, I already set my file tree up. I already, like, I know my documents go here. Like, it starts It starts the second you build the folder. You just got to lead yourself with that. So, <sighs> um, so if you don't have file management, the first thing that I'd figure out is, like, you need to sit down and, you know, like, collect all your files you know, set up, like, move them all to one spot or open up the windows that they're all in and then create a window that has all, like, just new empty folders, give them their <laughs> designated names, and then just one at a time, drag and drop around your screen, just like, bam, this goes here, this goes here. And it's just <laughs> like putting things in your bin at home. You know, all the stuff goes in the right spot. And then you can even pack those boxes down by going in those folders and going like, oh, well, technically, like, this folder split audio and video. Maybe I should put all the audio files in one and all the video files in the <laughs> other. You know, and it, like, especially as a podcaster, like, file management's a big thing for me. So, like, Definitely. I got to be able to, like, I have my season one, and that sits on its own. And then so each episode gets its folder. The folder then gets its its uh, primary, like, raw audio files. And then it turns into audio project files. And then those yep. are in their own folder. And then, like, I, um, I keep all of the ads in a separate folder. So mm -hmm. then there's just an ads folder. So when I need to put those bumpers in, they're already cut. And then, then like, they so place basically over. basically everything you've been trying to teach me with my social media. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it <laughs> because, applies. It's helping me with my social media because it's been at a standstill for, like, a year. So um, this is good. These are good little tips that I need to marinate in my head once again. And they, and they apply not just to people who want to be influencers, but people who want to – to even fix the you know their own stuff like and so yeah. this is not just like your content creation system this is also like what's in your feed like mm -hmm. as a person what's in your feed affects how you feel what Absolutely. you see okay and then certain things in your feed go to the top because you have other friends that like it just as much so if like mm -hmm. you and your friends are all into a certain thing you might see that thing in your feed more often because you have more people that you know that like that thing 
But then you also have people out there. And so this is why, like, I really stress that you need to get, like, here's a weird thing that you need to start thinking about doing every spring cleaning when you start doing your digital spring cleaning. Like, uh-huh. let me be the Marie Kondo of your Facebook, if you will. All right. Um, how long you been on Facebook? Me? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Since, Since launch? Was- Probably a little. I was a MySpacer for a while. I was too, but I dropped there. I dropped on Facebook the day that it started. And I, I held on to yeah, MySpace. Uh, probably like six months into it. So the first year, the first year Facebook. Okay. I'm sure. All right. I I still had my freaking live journal up to that point too. Oh. Yeah, man. But <laughs> no. So okay. So you've been on since about a year after launch. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you know on average how many pages you've liked a day since that, or liked a month since then? Absolutely did you, not. Did you know that you can check that number and see how many pages mm. you like? No. Yeah, so folks, if you're listening, you can go to, like, if you go to your side panel and you look at your Facebook from your desktop, you can view all the pages that you like. And I'd be surprised that if 2020 you, 2022 you doesn't like some of the things that 2011 you liked and they're stinking up your feed. Exactly. At times. So, yeah. And so, here, it's a twofold thing. So, one, it could declutter Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you're not into anymore by unliking those pages. Two, it brings the pages you like up to the top because you like less things. So, it fixes the algorithm kind of for you. It fixes it for you. You are the algorithm. Like, people need to stop complaining. Yes, it's in you, Neo. You can do whatever you want with the Matrix. Listen up, kids. All y'all out there that are complaining about the the algorithm like feeding you what it wants dude it's doing what you want it to do okay? okay you're the hive mind it's feeding the data off the hive mind the hive mind is broken it is fucked up it is sick sometimes okay oh, no. so in order to fix that fuck up like you have to go in and do maintenance so like go in and check your old follows go in and check your old likes you'd be oh, surprised yeah, that do it you'd be surprised at how many that you get rid of and then how much cleaner your feed gets because then think about this some of you out there may only have 250 friends on your friends list. How many pages do you follow? If you've been on Facebook for more than a decade, you could be following thousands of pages. Damn. So you have 250 friends, but you have 5,000 things that you like. Of course you can't see your friends. You like too much shit, you spoiled capitalist brat. That's why there. I remember like a year ago, everyone was talking about that. How I don't see half of my friends, and that's the reason why. Huh? It you happens. Follow- it happens every consumerism growth cycle. I've watched it happen every year. So you're you're just starting to notice the conversation on the regular because it's finally affecting the community that you're a part of. Because right. you're not you're a part of a group of people that slow consume. You're in the entertainment industry. You're you you sit on the tier of celebrity almost at this crux in your your career that like obviously as an influencer you don't follow as much as regular consumers do so it's just taking people like you to get there longer because you don't like things as often because you make informed decisions because you may also end up selling those items so influencers see less on average but eventually after years it'll catch up on you so now think about this you're a 55 year old woman who started Uh on facebook in her 40s and went through like maybe even like three major consumer changes in your life in that past decade. You have a pen shop for shopping. How many things on Etsy look delectable that had a Facebook page that may not exist anymore, but you're still getting updates oh. on? Yeah. So many. Exactly. So many. Exactly. So, so Auntie, you need to go in there and you need to go uncheck all those like boxes so that maybe you see the stuff you like. 
Maybe you see the stuff from your friends. All right? And then here's the other thing. You want your friends to be priority? You want your family to be priority? Go to their page. Click on the settings for your relationship with them and put see first. You can do that with people. You can do that with pages. You can. Yes, you what? can. You can click. It's been on that feature's been there for a long time, and yeah, you can. I guess can, they're not really. Don't even know about them. Well, see, the thing is, people only use what they want that they what they see immediately, and then there's yeah. also a lot of things that were streamlined for desktop, but never really made it to. To the mobile. To the mobile app, but so yeah. you can do all this maintenance on your desktop version, and then it affects your mobile app side. So yeah. then that way, like, you really have to use both together to get the fu- – that's that's the whole reason why they call themselves meta. The, the fuckery is you have to use 10 apps to run Facebook if you really want to. Yeah, yeah. 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 Could be, I mean, it is so much. Yeah. There's so like back end ways to do things and all these tips and tricks and there's four different apps just for posting on. I mean, for those of you out there that are just using Facebook vanilla, like that's fun. But like for any of you who have a small business out there, like you should be using Meta Business Suite, which was formerly Pages Manager. And uh-huh. if you, and if I'm speaking Greek to you right now, you need to go on to Android or iOS and you need to download Meta Business Suite because if you're managing a page as a professional or you have you know, your Instagram page and all that stuff with your Facebook page. Like, that's where you bond the counts together. You can run lives from both of those pages in tandem. You can plan things out on your schedule. You can, like, I know I'm sounding like an ad for Facebook right now, but it's a central part of our lives. So, it like, really is right so, now. like, I mean, learn how to use it. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell it to you because we're already all on it. What I'm trying to tell you is that, like, there's a lot of self-maintenance that we need to do as computer users that your average person about the world doesn't think about. I'm a tried and true nerd from the drop, okay? So, like, I was blessed enough to live in a house where my family came up in the bureaucracy of this country during the birth of the the computer. So, like, Uncle Sam was like, well, your mommy's got a cool job, son, so we're going to give you a computer at home. So, like, I, like, we didn't always have the nicest things, but we had a dial-up computer. And Mm -hmm. it put me leagues ahead of every other kid in class because I could get on the internet anytime I wanted to, you know? Mm-hmm. It became a babysitter for a while, but like, you know, yeah. but that's the thing is like my generation of hardcore computer users, like we see the internet totally different. Like you guys see it yeah. as cat memes and I see it as like, this is an information database that needs to be respected and well taken care of. It's just it's like picking your brain too and seeing how you look at everything. Like how I was looking at social media was just completely off. How you were seeing it, it's just like numbers and the algorithm. Like it's now starting to click and make sense. So what you're saying is like it's 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 real. Like if you implement these if things. You, yeah, does. exactly. <laughs> and it's all solvable by you and it's solvable in the app. So then the other thing is like so one like not only can you put like priorities on the people that mean the most to you and you know, like mm-hmm. that you can then create separate feeds so just like how you can create hashtag feeds to watch on like instagram or twitter you can create your own vip threads so you can take friends that you already follow and go these are all my industry friends so then that way when i click on this tab i only see posts from my industry friends oh that's cool and then when i click on this tab it's just my family and that's a little side window that you can pull up in the in the app, and you can look at those people on those auxiliary friends lists. So you can separate your friends list down, especially if you have more than 100 people on your friends list, you should do that. And then you practice going into those lists, and you'll see those people more often. 
Mm-hmm. Like you can only consume so much data, so the algorithm can only provide so many suggestions until right. you've looked at all the data. So if you have a thousand friends and you follow five thousand pages, how are you going to get through six thousand posts a day? Can you? No. No. There's not enough time in a day. So, is it the algorithm's fault or is it your gluttony? It's your gluttony. Exactly, children. So then how does this apply to influencers and how does this apply to, you know, so like that's that's the other thing is like how how does how does how does this like affect your your place in the algorithm? Like, you know, outside of like, okay, so like Facebook, yeah, it's kind of reading your mind by you know, it's like to a degree. You know, so this comes back to do you want your ads to not be as weird or annoying anymore? Because sometimes does it seem like they like either know you too well or they're kind of weird off base sometimes? Absolutely. It's because those those pages you liked 10 years ago aren't relevant anymore. They're buying from that data. So if you liked if you liked 98 degrees and you follow that page and you're wondering why you're getting weird boy band ads or something that falls into that niche category of selling to women, uh-huh. it's because they're buying that clout from that page. Oh, you know, just how I showed oh, you, like, so yeah. So when we were building ads the other day and I showed you like, Hey, you're going to do this times this by this exclude this people do that to you. So like, if you're following my little pony friendship is magic and that person doesn't exist in your brain today anymore. Cause you're not a Pega sister. Well, then you're still going to see my little pony ads because you liked the page and you forgot to unlike it. Uh, you would also see a huge shift in actually what's liked and followed because the algorithm is breaking because of all this excessive likes so if people don't migrate off of those pages those pages get mojo for longer than they should but then Mm -hmm. their data deprecates because then they're reporting terrible numbers so then that's Mm -hmm. the other thing is like you're actually hurting people by following too many people because you may not always get so like even think about this, about the people that you follow, like for the sake of like, you want someone to be famous and popular, like why are you following like a hundred other people like them that you don't pay attention to as much as that one person? If you uh-huh. like, who do you like? NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? Pick one. Because frankly, after 10 years of making those choices, like they're, it's going to clutter up your feed. So you got to go mm-hmm. back and you got to undo some of those and, and then it frees up room. And then it also makes it easier on the creator and the ad buyer. Because then yeah. when they go in and they buy those people, when they use that that psych data to go and buy that those people, then exactly. they're not... It's people that are actually relevant and want to that know more. Item. Exactly. Item. Yeah. And then that at that point, conversion rates go up. The value, mm-hmm. the supply and demand chain of people goes up. Facebook would probably stand to make more money, but it's not something that Facebook can change because it relies on the two and a half billion people on its platform to create that mindset. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. unless you go out there and start like, you want to save your favorite creators, start unliking old pages because then you'll see them more often. You want to mm-hmm. save content creators in the modern era? Don't follow too many. Follow only as many as you. You can only watch so many TV shows on Netflix. And for mm-hmm. those of you out there that go, don't tempt me with a good time. I'll challenge you to a duel. It's like, dude, you just you can only watch so much content. YouTube alone carries more content than 90 times the population of the earth can watch in one day. 
Wow. If we if we could populate the universe with 90 times the population of the earth right now, we could still not consume all the data that's on YouTube in one day. Damn. That's a lot of shit. So that how do you so hi- so how do you highlight it? You have to keep the hive mind running. If the hive mind can keep running in a direction that points you to what sh- you'll see more gateways open. Because mm-hmm. less people will be hanging out in rooms that they're not supposed to be in anymore. Right. They digitally clear that space. You know? And so then, so it's like, at that point, like, you can end up connecting better with your audiences as a creator by promoting that attitude, you know? And then that's the other thing is like, so so that's the other things to think about is like, how's this going to apply to us as a creator? How's it, how does, how does you know, applying these as a, as just a denizen of the internet, help our creator friends. And I think we could cover more of this as we, we go along throughout the series. Like, I think that this is going to lead to far more conversations and yeah, we'll definitely have to bring some friends on here. I'll do some, uh, some of my voodoo analysis on air, you know, we'll, we'll use this because I'm not, I'm not really doing client work anymore because I just, I'm, I'm tired of it, but you know what? It's, it's fun to peep in. And, and like tell people, you know, it's, it's like doing a seance for, so, uh, so we'll find some cool creators that want to do a seance on their uh, profiles and see what they could be doing. Sarah, if you got any cool actor, actress, or model friends that are just like, why isn't this working for me? And then I'll be like, I'll tell you, son. Cause I was one of them just so, you know. Just learning now all the ropes, so this I'm, is good. I'm now having more fun doing it for free on air than I was getting paid for it. So, uh, yeah. So bring bring send them in. Send send in send in the guinea pigs, and then okay. uh, yeah, because then like one person at a time, we could we can make some gains happen. Clear up the internet one one person's life at a time. All right, so. Um, Let's uh let's sweep that under the rug for now. We'll, we'll probably okay. talk more about the wellness of spring cleaning. Actually, we'll probably even talk more about like how to fix the perception of feng shui too eventually, and all those other Eastern practices that are getting eaten up by colonialism right now. Um, but let's uh let's take a break from uh, the harsher parts of reality and the hard work of reality, and uh, let's let's talk dirty and drop the tea for a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, oh, hey, so we were talking about this a few episodes ago. We were talking about Amanda Bynes. And- Amanda Bynes, yes, her conservative. Because right after uh, Britney Spears was off of hers, um, Amanda wanted to um, get off of hers a year a year early because she started in, I believe she was on her ninth year, and she was scheduled to be in conservatory for 10 years. So, so here's a crazy thing I've been finding. Like, there are more and more people every day, like, celebrities slash hardworking people slash money-making people that I'm finding that are... Um, there's, that are under... Yes! Like, to the point to where it's, like, it's either a manager or a parent. Like, and I can understand some of the cases where, like... It's sketchy, but, like, Amanda's... I could see Amanda's. Like, she wasn't diagnosed with bipolar till after she was having episodes. And I actually feel really bad for her. If you go through her stories and stuff and just, like... Some of the statements she made, I actually felt so bad for her, you know, like mm-hmm. and she didn't get the help that she needed and had, you know, a, a, an episode because of it. But um, she's doing very well now. She went to school for uh, fashion design and she's engaged and she's looking to move in with her boyfriend very soon or her fiance. Her fiance so lawyer. Her fiance. So yay, Amanda. Glad that she's um, doing better. Yeah, that's good. That's good. 
Uh, you know, uh, it's, but uh, speaking about uh, the rise and fall of starlets, uh, so the Marilyn Monroe movie on Netflix, uh, uh-huh. yeah. So you know, you, like this is this is the proto version. This before there was Amanda, there was Marilyn. <laughs> you know, before mm-hmm. Britney. You know, this is. I mean, this is this was a girl who went through a lot. So um, yeah. So uh, Netflix's Marilyn Monroe movie just got an NC seventeen rating. Which I ended up having to Google NC-17 because I had never actually heard of that rating before. Yes. So so the thing is, is like, so if, if you don't really understand how NC-17 works, okay, so we have we have G, PG, PG-13, mm-hmm. R, mm-hmm. NC-17, X, okay? Right. So in that order of, of operation, G, general audiences, anybody can consume this. PG, parental guidance suggested. So your kid who's eight-year-old could watch it, but maybe mommy and daddy don't believe in all the things that are on the screen or it's just yeah, a little too question. harsh, right? Yeah. PG-13, kids that, like, like wait until puberty to watch this movie, okay? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all that is. Now, yep. R, restricted. Here's the funny part, in which most people don't understand why there's an R and there's an NC-17. R, yeah, what's- R is restricted, Unless you have a parent with you, meaning this is why your dad can take you to go see RoboCop in 1990, because if your dad's your parent guardian and he takes you to the R-rated movie, well, your dad said it was okay, so it's okay. Yeah. So as long as you have that 18-year-old guardian with you, you could go watch that crazy. And that's that's how I watched a lot of crazy movies as a kid. Like by the time I was 16, like I'd already watched like dozens of r-rated movies like my grandfather like for it was like my friend's birthday party slash like my birthday was near the same time and they were like let's all go see the matrix and that came out when i was in middle school so obviously like how am i gonna get the ticket right my gramps was like you know what you earned it and he went and he bought the ticket and then i just walked in after he bought the ticket and then he picked me up out to the movie but like that's how r-rated movies work yeah that's the rule so nc-17 is no children that's what the NC no stands for. No, no children under 17, which means you have to be over the age of eight. You have to be 18 or older to get mm-hmm. into the movie. Doesn't matter if your daddy's there because there could be some very strong sexual content. And we're talking like more than a porn movie, but less than penetration. Like 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 more than a softcore Showtime Skinamax film, but mm-hmm. like not Pornhub. So mm-hmm. like like you're gonna see boobs on a screen for a lot longer, and they're not gonna be in the context of like just being in a green room it could be like a really tawdry scene and then someone actually like sticks a nipple in a mouth like you never know but that's like nc-17 can cover any of that so like there may even be some bush we don't know so Mm. (laughs) like and and then in what way and then that's the thing so like i mean yeah i'm talking about this anatomically and just like so much from like i I just see it as parts i see his body i grew up in a green room they're body parts to me you know so it just um so, you know, the thing to think about with the NC-17 rate is, like, one, this is the first Netflix movie to go to NC-17. Like, How do you even, how do they even regulate that? Because it's like, you know, you go to the theaters, you need a parent, but, like... What do you mean? Streaming, everything is just available. So having yes. that rate... Oh, uh, well, so having that rating blocks things. So case in point, like Disney, Disney Plus recently unleashed their new pin code system. Because they because okay. they moved all so the Netflix and those types of films in yeah. the streaming so, platforms. So ne- so so uh, so like Disney Plus now added a pin system in. So like all the adults mm-hmm. 
if you want to watch the the Netflix stuff that moved over to Disney Plus, like Defenders, yep. Luke Cage, you got to set a pin number now. That way your kids can't get in it. And then also your designated children's accounts. So child accounts on Netflix can't see an NC-17 movie because they can't see anything past a PG-13 rating. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So That's- it's like the most you get on kids' Netflix <laughs> is TVY7 PG-13. Mm-hmm. Yep, good. yep, yep. So I mean, yeah, we. You know what's funny is like it's it's interesting Hollywood history and it's it's like fun weird stuff to me. Like especially for like understanding distribution and like how do you get your rating from the MPAA. But like yeah, there's uh there's quite there's a couple ratings that like people just don't see that often. So an NC seventeen yeah. is actually a big deal these days because we we really haven't had a lot of NC seventeen films since the nineties. So right. we could be going through a, a very a no children in the theaters type of renaissance again. Um, mm. So then the other like so you have you know other films that have been down that route. So like uh, as some of you may know, uh, RoboCop almost got rated X. I did not know that. Yeah, and that's worse than NC seventeen. That's when you almost get into snuff territory. Wow. So that's like so that's like a hooker's naked and RoboCop shoots through her to kill a bad guy. That's what we mean by like X. Okay, like I'm not I'm not explicitly explaining anything that that can be seen in there. If you want to go and watch it, like, or you want to come over my holiday and we check it out, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like you you can watch like the the ultra hardcore cut of RoboCop. There's a couple special editions out there, um, and but yeah, RoboCop like got offered X, and they were like, no man, we can't. We want to be in regular theaters. And they're like, well, edit it. And then they're like, okay, we'll give you NC-17. We're like, nah, man, we want we want dads across America to make poor decisions. Uh, yeah, right. Then the MPAs, well, like, well, if you want an R, you got to do this, this, and this. And you know what? They did it. And, they, and thanks wow. to that, my daddy took me to go see RoboCop when I was only three <laughs> years old. <laughs> Where are these other editions? Like, because I don't, they're not just all over the place. Right? No, they're, they're not. Like, well, you got to remember that, like, a lot of these cool editions came out before, like, average like major internet like you know so it's it's like finding like the third director's cut of blade runner you know because there's like four direct there's four directors yeah. cuts of blade runner so like bundles in walmart finding this or um well in the case of that that would have been a low print item because it's not like everybody in america is going to want like you know that um mm-hmm. you'd be, be well you know at times like this i'd say go to suncoast video but suncoast doesn't exist anymore and then after they didn't exist, I'd say go to FIE or Warehouse Music, but those don't exist anymore. I hate being from the 80s. I remember too many cool things that don't exist anymore. So many things. So many things. Uh, speaking of so many things, uh, me- moving on on so many things, because I, c- I could talk about ratings all days, but um, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, there is some buzz now that apparently – Darth Maul is cut from it and that Darth Maul was supposed to be a part of it and that like Ray Park was even like getting jacked up and like already planning to like be on set and then they were like nope no more Darth Maul we gotta fix this damn how much of a Star Wars person are you sir you know I've seen all the movies okay Uh, you can definitely be more into Star Wars when I was younger yeah yeah um, not so much anymore. Mm. You know, I did start watching the Star Wars with my daughter, though, and that was pretty cool to see her just getting excited about it and, like, asking me the questions. And it kind of, like, made me go back to, like, watching them with my dad and being like, oh, this is so cool, you know? You know how I know we're old and we're parents? Mm. We just called it The Star Wars. 
The Star Wars. <laughs> Have you seen the Star Wars? You should watch it, child. It's good. You know, I feel like a Jewish grandmother selling the Star That's Wars. Like, like my it's... mom saying, the weed. Oh, I think I smell the weed. The devil's lettuce. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's no. Yeah. Yeah. You put the in front of things that don't need the word the in front of it. Damn it! I'm getting (laughs) (laughs) old. But make sure to watch the Star Wars and wash behind your ears. (laughs) Yeah. So got to watch more of the Star Wars with Coco. Oh yeah, absolutely. The games are awesome. I I have I've played all the video games. Like I'm 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 a just a video game whore for that stuff. Games, yeah. I played a lot of Star Wars on PlayStation back in my yeah, day. Yeah, those were pretty good. Jedi Power Battles was a pretty good game. <laughs> oh, man. But we could talk about those. You know, we should probably have some, like, like throwback re- videos. Yes. Yeah, we should have some segments. I could break out all the games. Halo, did you see that? I didn't even know that there was, like, a series of Halo. Like, I used to play that, like. I don't Halo. even watch the Super Bowl, but I watched that Super Bowl commercial. I've been stoked about that Halo movie. Yeah, oh, right. my God. I have- in it, I, the first episode dropped, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm holding off though. Like I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just like I'm gonna let, but I will watch it before we record next week. So okay. I will have things to say about it. I, I did, I did finish. Our flag means death, and uh, I gotta say, like, have you watched it yet? I haven't watched oh, it yet. Don't, like I can't spoil it. Then there's a lot of stuff that happened in the last two episodes that like like historians, Ren Fair goers, pirate aficionados and the like, they're all just going to have like an aneurysm. Like, oh, wow. yeah. Half of white male America is going to have a problem with itself after watching these two episodes. Cause they uh, no, really want to watch it. Yeah. No, check it out. It's like the second, the second that it happened, I just like, I grinned and I looked over and I was just like, this is gonna piss so many people off. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, it's yeah, no, it's it's a great, it's a great change in the story. It's that point of like you can play with a mythos a little bit. Um, and you could talk about taboo subjects. And it's it's very interesting at what they've done with this show. And it and it, yeah. So you like I can't, I can't. It's like it's like spoiling the uh the the end cameo on on the this the the season of Peacemaker. Oh, then don't, then yeah, don't. don't. I, oh, you haven't watched yeah. Peacemaker yet either. No, I haven't seen. I haven't been really watching anything lately because I've just been working so much. But these are things that I need to. Yeah. I'm. I'm watch. gonna. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a hint, so that way okay. not. So not that everybody out there in the podverse is listening can understand this, but you'll. I'll see the light go on in your eyes on why it's cool. But then at the same time, other people won't get it. All right. Uh-huh. Okay, so do tell. The 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 end scene, the special cameo, is related to a certain audition you're working on. Oh. And it's fucking hilarious. Ah, now I can't wait to yeah, see. Yeah. So it. now go go watch it. Catch up on Peacemaker. Um, I was I was lucky enough to wait, go. What's that? Peacemaker? Peacememaker is on HBO Max with all the other DC content. DC, if you're listening, I will whore your stuff all day. <laughs> what did you say? I said, uh, DC, if you're listening, I will whore your I will whore your product all day. You don't have to pay. I'm a <laughs> that's a, that's like that's the one place where like I know I'm still a fan and I'll sell it. I don't care. We're gonna do it. Let's do this. 
Um, but yeah, no, I did the uh, the Peacemaker experience at Comic Con Special Edition. That was pretty really? fun. Yeah, um, I secretly took some video with my Ray Ban stories. I've been afraid to post it, but now that I've said it out loud, I'm sure they're not listening and they don't care. And yeah, no I'll probably way. yeah. I don't maybe I don't know. Maybe for like. I'll go tweet the HBO Max page and be like, so what's the deal here on these? Because I really like to share this. But you guys said, don't take any video. But I kind of took some video because my glasses. <laughs> but it was like really cool. I can't help myself. <laughs> but it was pretty fun. Like, they, like, Dude. you like you walk through the facade of his front door of his trailer. And then they, like, they lead you into, like, a cutout of his room. And they hand oh. you a bunch of these Nerf guns. And then they train you to be a piece of shit law enforcer and it's what? like literally your job to like the first thing you do is like uh, save this woman and then it's like they purposely make it to where you shoot the hostage and yeah yeah it's made to oh be it's made to be as bad as the show so like you uh -huh. want to like but then you can't help but laugh so you're just yeah so it was interesting <laughs> and then at the end i got garlic zoodles just like harley quinn yeah what? yeah that was the best part was the garlic zoodles were great um Dude. yeah they had a little truck there with with cheese sticks and garlic zoodles, yep, greatest contributions to mankind. Very cool. Uh, and then maybe there'll be something cool for them at Comic Con this year. So we got our we got our panel form. So stay tuned on that, folks. We'll be taking uh, the show on the road once we uh, once we get our our confirmations. But we got the paperwork. We're in place. We gonna do it, kids. We're going yeah. to Comic Con, yeah, and we'll see. Comic Con's back to normal. That's right. The pandemic's over, and the Comic Con's back to normal. So uh, yeah. listen up more regularly, and you will know. Rabbits on the road. Yeah, rabbits, rabbits on the road. That'll be a whole nother segment. Maybe that's when we'll go video, when we go on yeah, the road. We should, yeah, we should, right? Yeah. Go video. Yeah. Follow our friends. Yeah. Absolutely. Positively. I think that's a great idea. And you know what else is a great idea? We're actually... Um, we're we're gonna call it here because we need time for our special guest today. So yes, we do. Uh, and because our special guest is coming on uh, after Sarah Lee's, uh, we're both gonna say a, a very uh, thank you very much for joining us this week, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Any kind words for our loyal listeners out there? Oh, just thanks, guys, for tuning in each week, and we've got some more really great episodes planned for you, so make sure you keep on coming every Sunday. Every Alrighty. Sunday, and there may be some extra stuff on the side. We'll be letting you know of that. So um, about this next segment, I was uh, privileged enough to be staying on the homestead uh, this last year. Uh, while working on a project. I, I do not have any homestand lab myself, but uh, as I've been transplanting back and forth from California uh, in my journey to find my own place to call my home on Maui again or in finality, I was blessed enough to stay on the homestead. Uh, and uh, during Halloween, uh, I was randomly driving down the road and uh, there were these wonderful people handing out one-pound bags of Kahlua pig. Yeah. No, only on the homestead, bros. All right, right? listen to this. <laughs> only on the homestead does this happen. This is a beautiful place. All right, this is the land of milk and honey, and we need to protect it. And so I was very, very blessed to uh, meet these folks over at Palpena. Uh, they are an uh, a organization that is dedicated to the honor of the people and what it can bring to those people, whether by hard work or harvest. 
And uh, so they had a connection with a pig farmer. Uh, and the pig farmer uh, went and, uh, you know, he, he looked at the surplus that he had and what he could do with it this year. And he decided that he was going to give it back to the people. So they gave out pound by pound. They handed out clue of pig to the people and everybody on the homestead. I I had, I had sliders every day and I was in the middle of production. So I was eating bad already. Like the only Uh, thing, and I don't, I I can't say 100% bad because like at least like one out of every third day in the week, I I, I would go to Pook Soup and I go get a box from Pook Soup. But, (laughs) but, uh, but even there's a certain point, like, like, I mean, you could live on Pook Soup. There's nothing wrong with it. I've done it for days on end. <laughs> but, like, sometimes you got to take a break and go get some food on Pokey. I'm all right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, but in that same aspect. Uh, but, no, I had, I had, it was great. I, I had Kahlua Pig for days. And uh, it was just a great respite. And at that point, like, like the, the bag had a label and everything. It was just like, this is where it comes from. Check out this. So I followed them on Instagram. And then I was getting ready for this podcast. And I didn't know exactly, like, when it was going to start recording. I hadn't even finalized Sarah as the co-host yet. But I was just like, I have to start interviewing Hawaiians. That's, I know that that's going to be a part of the show. So I hit up Pena and I asked if I could talk to one of the head honchos, the high mind, the greatest part of the high mind, Uncle Norman, and what he's doing for the Hui and what he's doing for people on the homestead, future Hawaiians, uh, how he's fighting, how we can fight better. And so this uh, this segment here is uh, is actually like kind of what progenated this whole series. And uh, so I hope you enjoy uh, the remainder of this segment. Uh, and you have a wonderful week, and we will uh, we'll get at you next time. Aloha. Moving forward. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention reminds you to take care of your mental health in the face of uncertainty. One, focus on what is in your control versus what is not. Two, do what helps you feel a sense of safety. Three, remind yourself to stay in the present. Four, stay connected with others. You can reach the crisis text line by texting TALK to 741-741 or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. We're in this together and help is always available. Moving forward. You guys never lose them, actually. Yeah. You guys still get them. It's that that, that you gotta go research more on your grandparents' side. Mm -hmm. Because they can't take something that doesn't belong to them. That's the thing. They just take them. So you you better look into that family kind of stuff. It's important. Uncle Norman sits on the porch. Our view is infinite as we see Maui Valley and the ocean beyond. We've been talking story for a bit as I explain my grandparents' history on Maui, but that's a story for another time. We're here with Uncle Norman, and he's the president of Pau Pena, 
an organization founded to protect and cultivate the Aina. Didn't own them. Because I went to one club meeting with a friend of mine, and uh, he was on, uh, on their land that, well, not their land, but he was building a house on, on the Panapo land. So they came inside, they tore them down, they did everything. But anyway, when he went to court, these this, uh, five lawyers from Maui Pine came, representing Maui Pine, five, five of them, one Japanese and four, uh, uh, four Hawaii's, walking proud, proud, oh, proud Bagasas. But anyway, when the when the judge went asked because the Japanese wouldn't speak because it looked like he's, you know, he because he wouldn't fit in that situation because he's Japanese. And how at four hours there was on our side. But when the judge went asked that Japanese man, where is you guys deed? And the Japanese man said, We don't have a deed. I'm not surprised by that that account at all. I mean, the story I was told as a kid when when my when my grandmother was a child, there there would be a local man that would come, you know, recent yeah. transplant businessman, carpetbagger from the east, and he would go, "Empty, empty." Like twenty five dollars for groceries, and then they would sign nothing, and then he would just cut a little over and the next thing you know there was just something to mark the spot for next week he would come by again and he asked for a little bit and he moved one acre two acre three when times were tough he'd take more and they never signed anything and she didn't understand half of that because she came from a world where it was you like you borrow you yeah. exchange but Hawaiian was always okay, always giving people they always give 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 regardless of who they are Howley, Japanese, whoever came to the house, they always give, give, not taking, not, not take because they got something already. So they're always giving, giving. So that's that's a problem with that. But if they never sign nothing, then then you know that's, that's even better for you. But I'm telling you, man, I seen it with my eyes. Five lawyers couldn't couldn't. Uh, do anything because they don't have a deed. Okay, they don't have a deed for all these uh, Maui, Maui Pine men. All of them. No deed at all. But anyway, That's, I'm Paul Pena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so, how, so I want to know first, Paul Pena, I want to know the why. The why? The why of Palpena. Why Why did it come together? What What made it well, happen? Okay. The why is uh, <coughs> because I went down to a meeting at the, the kind of DHHL and I found out that uh, that uh, some of the land, not all, some of the land is being uh, leased out to non-beneficiary. 
non-beneficial. Okay, so before you continue, for anybody listening, what is a non-beneficiary? Non-beneficiary is that you're not Hawaiian. Okay. Simple as that. Simple. Non-beneficiary. No more blood, no more cocoa, nothing. So, when I found out that this guy, right here, no, right here. When I found out that this guy, this rancher, had this property down here for over 25 years, 5,000 acres, right down here, about 5,000 acres this non-beneficiary had. And, and you know, I never know that myself, but, but when I found that out, that's when I got involved about two years ago. I found that out, I got angry. So next, next meeting, I went back to the, the board again, that the kind of commissioners. And, and I told them, as a kanaka, I told them, I want that 5,000 acres. I'm like kanaka. This guy no more blood. He don't have kanaka. And, and, and for 25 years, nobody went step up to the plate and, and say, oh, I like this land. Even the ranchers, that the kind of local brothers, they plenty local brothers that can ranch, but they didn't do them. I was so, I was so upset when I heard that. So when I told him that I wanted that 5,000 acres, that's when everything went stuck. Then we look, oh wow, nobody came but you. You know, I'm here, Ba. I want that 5,000 acres. So I informed one, uh, one nonprofit, and it's called Paul Pena. Me and my neighbor was, uh, she was down there at the meeting. And then we, after, after when I told them that, that I want that 5,000 acres, we came together and formed that, that nonprofit, that Baupena. Uh, so from that day on, it was fighting, fighting, fighting. We're still fighting, which is good, I'm happy. I like the action. I like that kind of action. <laughs> I think it's good action because, uh, you know, you get in the face. You like, uh, you like things happening because they're moving too slow. Because there are plenty of people out there who die already and not have anything. So our mission as Paupena is, is to help the beneficiaries on the list get on the land. 5,000 acres, what can you So you're here to expedite the process where it tends to slow down yes, on yes. the government level, yeah. on the DHHL level yeah. and local government support level. Right. So, DHHL is not a It's a state entity. Okay. Okay. It's not one Hawaiian entity. Yeah? So by doing that, well, that the kind in 
1893 then overture anyway. So, mm-hmm. so the apology bill came, everything, and it's still there. We can still can go out there and fight because of that. But anyway, it's a state entity, and whenever the governor said goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it that the kind of DHHL doesn't even doesn't even to me doesn't even exist because because it's a state entity. They won't stop us from doing whatever we uh, want to do on our land. They won't stop us. They like us market before we get something. That's what it is. So. And uh, you know, that's a sad part about it because um, plenty, plenty Hawaiians they they don't look at the overture as uh, real. They, they, the kind of mindsets they change already. They, I, I, I feel you on that. I feel like there is this mythological sense of protocol that Western history has glazed over yeah. factual Hawaiian history. Yeah. And that if we don't take the time to preserve the message that our Lee left for us and understand what they went through yeah. on every level to how that happened, why it happened, yeah. and what we can do to go backwards from that and move forward towards, you know, a better a better future for Hawaii. Well, there's a lot of uh, qualified Hawaiians that can run, run this place right here. Run all, run all the islands. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, lot of qualified Hawaiians that, that can do that. They're smart already. They went to college. So, I don't know what to hang up because they're taking it slow. I like them. Boom. Mm-hmm. Getting too slow. I like to see something happen when I'm up there. And, uh, right now I'm doing something where where it's it's good for the for the Kanaka people. It's good for my uh, my uh, Ohana. So so I like something when I'm okay. This five thousand acres, they can go inside there and uh, and and you know do something, and, you know, ranch. Because our 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 goal is 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 to ranch and farm. So. We like teach the Karakas how to be self-sufficient and how to live off the land. So that's one of our goals. Our second goal is that. So once we get Aina, you know, we can start with, with uh, you know, one small ranch, one small farm, and then build them up, build them up until I think I'm big where where we can put one kanaka inside there and okay you go inside and this is how you do it you put one one cattle maybe maybe on two acres three acres you can put one cattle you can put sheep inside you can go your your whatever you like eat you know grow cocoa that's why that's what it's all about so so you know, they go Costco, go shopping. We haven't bought meat for oh, for quite some time, maybe five years now. Five years. We leave off the sheep, and we get beef in the back. 
Han, og vi er ikke kære, han sier. Vi er bare at vi går rundt, og vi ikke tror han kære. Er vi bare et eg. Det er sjans. Det er så enkelt. So would you say your end goal is sustainability? Sustainability, yeah. No dependency? Well... Well, outside of the community supporting itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you gotta... Actually, you gotta do it yourself. You know? yeah. And it's so easy. You gotta put the seed in the ground. And then get one sheep, get one cattle, feed them. Big, big feed for them, so... No need to buy feed, all that kind of stuff. That's what we're all about. And giving. We give plenty. We just help the kind other non-profit. We got, we can help uh, two, two non-profit guys. We gave them 10 grand because we had this money. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, and good friends, so, yeah. Okay, you guys can use 10 grand, okay, yeah. 10 grand of here, go work, work whatever you guys do. Get that kind of, one bara, one bara, all you do is farm. He's a farm, he's a big farmer. He's a color farmer. And, and he supply all the islands. Over here. On that mountain over there, one bara. So and and he live right up, right up here. So the kind he helping, uh, you know, we trying to get this five thousand acres for. He don't belong up there. He belong over here. Over there, over there, you gotta pay. Uh, I don't know what the deal with that, but, but. But he using 200 acres from this hole who we buy that place over there. So, you know, instead of staying over there, he can come over here from. And he live right up here. And we go down there. So he hold all, all the way over there every day. Every but he lives. Day. Yeah, right here, bro. And get one other brother down there. Hanale. This brother gave me this aina right there. Because uh, when he had them, I came inside with the machine. I make everything for him. Terrace down, everything. Put in the water line, everything. And then one time, one time he was talking to the kind of color brother. Come, hey, I think I'm going to give this to brother Norman. And then the color brother said, you know, I had one dream about that. So. That's how I end up with this. I don't hear no. Everything stays inside here already. Ready for you for build. We can build whatever. This house I build them. For me and the wife. One bedroom without permit. No need permit for build. All the kind of Hawaiian homeland. No need. The kind we go research that. My, the kind my daughter will research them. And it says in the, the kind of county code that that the kind of Hawaiians are exempt from from building permits, and not too many Hawaiians are there, very few. So so anyway, this 
brought him out this Hawaiian brother down there. He, he's a farmer too. He's a pig farmer. So he, he raised pigs. He got about five, six hundred pigs that he raised. And he's a local brother. He's on Hawaiian. And the color part is Hawaiian too because he lives over here. That's the kind of guys we, we like do something because they teach out too slow. They don't like see our, us Hawaiians get ahead. You know, they like us monkey on the leash. Whew. Scary that. Kind of pissed me off, but you know, for years that wouldn't happen. Even my parents, my parents never, never signing for, you know, forget what lot or something. I don't know if they didn't, never know, but my parents didn't do that. Even my grandfather, they all threw Hawaiians. So what happened? So, so that's what we're all about. Giving, helping the Kanakas, try to go on the land self-sufficient, eat off the land. Yeah, it's so easy to eat off the land. You gotta put the seed. Look, I get coconut over there. I get sheep down there. I get cattle growing. I guess I'm, I'm good to go. Because <laughs> yeah, not Hawaiian. Not too many Hawaiians do this. Even this, my neighbor, look. You know more nothing inside this aina. All you gotta do is just put the put the plant in the ground and water. So easy and then he get plenty he can be like this. So what do you think two parts. What do you think needs to be taken action on now to further Paupena's efforts? Uh, we'll go to the next part after that. But. Well, Paupena is uh, is still moving. We're not still. Yeah. We're uh, st still fighting. Uh, this five thousand acres that's down here. That uh, they never give us these five thousand acres because I will not apply for this. They never give us this 5,000 because of a lame excuse, one lame one. So, one of the commissioners, when I go face the, the kind of commissioners, uh, well, well, my board never listened to the president. <laughs> they always, my board wanted for this 5,000 to be one housing, uh, uh, school, even golf course. What? Yeah. So, but anyway, one of my boys, you know how my boy anymore, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I tell my boy, we're not going to get them because simply, because it's not zoned for that. It's, it's, it's zoned for agriculture and pastoral, yeah? If we do that, we won't get the 5,000 acres. Mm -hmm. They never lease it. But anyway, that's, that's history already. So, I go face the board, I told the board, 
same reason why we stay. We want that 5,000 acres. So this lame excuse came back from one, one combination on Maui. He said, are you guys not, uh, are you guys not qualified to do whatever we wanted to do with that, with that, with the school and housing and, and whatever. But that, that commissioner from Maui, he never know what I can do. You know, you know, just just by coming out and say, oh, you guys not qualified to do this or do that, I can move. I can make roads. I can build a subdivision. I can do that. I can tie into the main line. I can do everything to do with housing and whatever. But, but anyway, what's the name excuse? So, instead of giving us that 5,000 acres, they will give us 200 acres, which is, which is okay with me. It, it's right up the road. So, so we're working on that 200 acres. We're turning that 200 acres into farming and ranching. Right now, right now we're doing both, but it on small scale. Later on, we got, you know, it takes money for move on tree, yeah? you know, and, and greed and whatever. But money, money coming in, but slowly, but it coming. We're like, coming plenty, but we take whatever coming. So, so that's the thing. So we can, we started a fo uh, small farm and we started, we got sheep and, we got sheep and color right up here. Right off the road, perfect for us. No more water. But, but we get this machine from the mainland that makes water. And it's not working quite well yet, so the guys gotta come over and fix them. But this machine creates uh, 200 gallons a day. This machine, but the air. He, he collect moisture from the air and he. So that's uh, not enough for us. You know, it's good. It's good enough for us for start the project, but 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 we still need one one uh, what do you call it? one meter. So we're fighting for that meter. So it's a lot of things. You gotta go through red tape for these guys. I tell you, you know, instead of helping helping power you know, get started, give them the water, you know, make it easy. No. Somehow they make it hard for us guys. They don't like us succeed. I don't want, okay. That's okay. We can do what we gotta do, so we get it up. Fighting for the water right now. So, w second part, what can we do as the community for with Palpena? Like from the littlest thing to the biggest thing, what 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 do you what does the whole organization need help with? From boots on the ground to people in the office, what what can Hawaii bring to you if they can hear your message? Well, we need some foreign money. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I, I I like that. You know that's. <laughs> 
That is not like I I I totally understand that. Like I I, I was hearing stories about uh, the, an uncle in Hana that was trying to downsize his land by giving it to other people in that area before foreigners got to it. But then he was using Bitcoin to manage the transaction because he wanted to create an investment fund. I mean, that's still like hearsay from one cousin to one uncle to oh. tell me at dinner type <laughs> yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. But like those are the kind of things that I'm hearing that like Hawaii is now going outside of the standard mainland banking system to create its own economic yeah, stability. Yeah. No. So like, I mean, really, the joke aside is, is that yeah. Hawaii needs a financial injection, whether it's from somewhere from within itself or from outside that yeah. does not have that negative Western influence. Well, this, this, this state is obligated now yeah, to make sure the Hawaiians is self-sufficient and they're not doing that. We gotta do them on our own. And it's, 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 it's a fight, but you know, I enjoy that. It's a, it's a good fight. But they're not living up to their side, the the state. So that's a thing. But but you know, as far as uh, uh, as far as the kind our organization, you know, I don't know how come, man. You know, some Hawaiians they jealous us or what? But they think we stealing land or we taking land away. But we not. We, okay, we're trying to help help the Kanakas be self-sufficient. That's what uh, Jonah was saying. Jonah said, give my people land so they can be self-sufficient in, uh, in agriculture and uh, the kind pastoral. So that's what the kind of, the state is not doing that. They're waiting for us to die. Sad, huh? But you know, get plenty of Kanakas out there, even though they get plenty of knowledge at, uh, about the law, but but I don't see nothing happen. You know, I'm not that stuff. I'm not one lawyer. You know, I like, I'm just a simple guy, the kind that's trying to make something happen. And, you know, get plenty of lawyers out there that can make things happen and fast, and fast too. Not the kind, because they get all our knowledge already. So, so I haven't heard anything for quite some time now. Well, since the overthrow, <laughs> I gotta go do it myself. Ah, oh, my goodness! You know, when Hawaii no more, no more background in in law and you know whatever. But I think that's I personally like. I felt in, on my journey of of being Hawaiian on the mainland was that that there's some weird self-doubt that we as a nation have had since since the overthrow that there's something is because like I, I hear it from each of us when we say the the part of I'm not this but then I had to go do this so there's a part yeah. in us that tells us that we can't but there's that Hawaiian party inside of us that can't be oppressed that says, I'm yeah. going to figure out how to do this. <coughs> Don't tell me I can't. That's right. Because, bro, I'm going to. That's right. And Safety then we like get to that end point. So yeah. I feel that there's there's a huge problem going on with, with especially the last two generations of Hawaiian. Yeah. 
yeah. that we we run into this mental barrier yeah. before like there there is there's there's a manao around us there's a manao inside of us and we disregard it because of all of the foolish things that have been presented to us in yeah. this colonial okay. construct that's cool you know so yeah. then i i feel that like we we don't see how much potential we have until we've finally gotten there and so then i see that like you know folks like you that you you have the fire and and it's there and you're gonna go fight but then you wonder like where where's the rage in everyone else yeah. you know no more exactly so okay so i'm trying to raise up my board to be how old are you i'm 36. my okay my my girl is about 38 my my nephew is about 30 something my other niece is about about your age too so i'm kind okay, i'm trying to make sure that this young generation <clears throat> you know get the knowledge and do something so so i get four young guys that's on the board that that that's what we need you know i'm i'm gonna go up pretty soon but 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 they gotta take over they gotta get in there Fight, kick ass, or something. I don't know. So, so that's my boy is young. I got some young guys in Sira. Got Dakain, got got me, and and Sara Kupuna, and then get this Arabara, Mila Kupuna too. So you know, get get we get action. Yeah, so that's how we just gotta keep going. We can stop because if we stop, then then their kids not gonna get nothing. So, if the knowledge transfer doesn't occur, it can't yeah. happen again. We gotta keep going. Yeah. Yeah, no can, but because they're not doing nothing. So that's what it is. So that's what Popena is doing, trying to raise up young your generation to get out there and kick some ass so what yeah. made you want to kick ass when you were our age what gave you the fire to to, uh, to start that, well that when i found out that that you know a non-beneficiary was was on this land for 25 years oh damn it gonna Still my blood. Yeah. Yeah. Why they give me one non-beneficiary and get people on the list that dying? Why? So you know, the plenty kanakas out there that can uh, make subdivisions just like me. Plenty get out there, but but. Uh, Somehow, somehow they're not giving us that chance to do it. That really, really upset me, that kind of stuff. But that's unreal. The, the guy, even though 
even though we get Kanakas on the commission there, mm-hmm. and and you know the kind kind of disappointing because they're supposed to be helping out the Kanakas. <laughs> what? And I do nothing. So that kind of stuff. That's that kind of stuff you gotta go to. You know, gotta fight out. Fight our own Kanakas? What's up with that? Yeah, so, like, I, I've, you know, I've... What the heck? I, I feel that's it's sometimes a hard topic to discuss, but it, I, I feel it has to, to a degree, because, I, I mean, I feel that yeah. somewhere between the our pride and then what one feels is right versus what the other feels is wrong, and then, you know... Each of us have different histories, so each of us survived, you know, yeah. and helped make Hawaii survive in our own ways, whether on right. a small right. scale in your own household, you yeah. know. I was lucky enough to grow up with my grandparents in their oh, home wow. on the mainland, you know, that's and that's cool. what kept us tethered. I, yeah. you know, I never, I never didn't feel not Hawaiian at home, but then wow. when the... Awesome, but then when the the time came to go outside of the hui, it yeah, was yeah, yeah. it was a culture shock. Yeah, I mean, go you find know, out who you are. Yeah, you know, and that was the Good. thing is is that you know I mean even school was a safe place as a kid because our whole neighborhood it was still segregated back then. So all the Polynesians wow. and the Pan Asians all stayed together because wow. that's where the military put them. You know, so I mean yeah, to a degree I felt like I managed to have some transplanted a a refugee experience of home growing wow. up but i feel that 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 same that same sentiment that you stated about like kanakas fighting other kanakas is that when you when you finally come to the table and you realize that there are some that feel the exact opposite of you but they feel that like right. they're doing the right thing yeah. and how do we get past that barrier of feeling strange to our own people yeah oh. What really got me on is that, you know, I was, uh, I, I want to see my kids get something when I'm lucky, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if I don't do them, who can do them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I got to do them. I got to, I got to, what do you call that, uh, make the path, open them up for them. So... So, what do you call? Make it easier for them. Yeah. Yeah. Make it easy for you. We are we are each laying a path for the ones behind yeah. us. Yeah. So you know, at least we're doing something. So that's that's a good thing. We're not sitting down just waiting, because we get plenty of kanakas out there just sitting down and waiting. I don't know what they're waiting for. Well, I get plenty of land over here, and you know, kind of disappointing that took uh, most of the most of the kanakas of here no more no more fruit trees inside no more bananas mm-hmm. no more nothing kind of sad and they get nice land just get this land ready about that's not a lot right here man if we put something inside good look like this but somehow they're not doomed I don't know if they know how, so that's why 
that's why we really help the Kanakas uh, put something in the ground, grow something. So that's uh, one of our goals. Uh, can be self-sufficient, but you don't need to go outside, go buy anything. You get the aina, use them. Ooh. Free aina. How do I have bra? And they don't use them. Oh, so the hot come. You better, better come back and help the Kanakas over here. Help kick ass. <laughs> so there's one thing that I, I really want to collect from every, every Hawaiian yeah. uh, on this side of the Pacific. So when I'm back on the mainland talking yeah. to others, I'd like to be able to relate the struggles on each side so from oh. so from so from Maui born and bred back to those that are displaced because I mean the, the biggest thing that that like made me feel less alone growing up on the mainland yeah. was when my grandmother received she got this poster from Kamehameha schools and it showed you all the places in the world where there were high density populations of Hawaiians like you could like that's where Hawaiians moved and then Kamehameha schools would send alumni newsletters out and they go hey you still living here all right cool checking in and so then you could see on the map oh there's some in New York that's oh this is where they all live in Seattle and Portland and you know oh San Diego's a big place and so what the the thing that made me feel less alone was knowing that I mean we're at a point now because of how we were displaced and how the Hawaiian race grew is we've We've nearly got just as many, if not more now, from what I understand, Hawaiians lost on the mainland as there are living on Maui and living on Oahu and, and Kona, on all the islands. Well, they move, well, this is me. Yeah. The, the kind, I don't know why the Kanakas will move because of where I get land yeah. for the Kanakas. Eh? Yeah. They just gotta go fight for them. Yeah. But, but you know, as far as uh, living here in Hawaii, it's hard. It's not. You gotta put the seed in the ground. Simple. It's it's not a hard living. If you put everything in the ground, you only gotta go Costco once a month. You know, go pick up milk or something. Yeah. So it's not hard. It's that. It's just that they never know how to fight for the aina, probably. Mm -hmm. You gotta do that if you want. If you want Kanaka, because this is your land. You gotta fight for. Them. Not move. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know. And that's. And I think that that's that's the most interesting part is is like learning all the journeys of like yeah, the yeah. how and whys of the displacement of of Hawaiians. You know uh, the why the why people move. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I I I'm always happy to see the how people stayed, but yeah. the history of you know of immigration of Hawaiians because they couldn't afford. I mean, my yeah, but yeah. both my grandparents grew up one of many children living hand to mouth. You know, oh, yeah. and they both saw the Marine Corps as their savior. My both my grandparents served in, in the Marine Corps as a way, way of gaining equity in their life to move forward. Mm -hmm. You know, and, yeah, and I always never, uh, I don't know how come, but 
But did your grandparents move out of there or they got kicked out? Uh, so parts. So as far as my grandmother's side, there were parts of it that were still that still had housing on it that the family lived on. There were still parts with housing that were in contention with the state. And then there were parts that were constantly in fight with developers and already overdeveloped places. So while you were here, did you ever go back there and look at your land? When I was a kid, yes. My grandmother made it a point that like we, we never really, the funny part is, is like I spent half of my life over there and I never really crossed over to the side island because my grandmother, my grandmother supplied a paradise over there and my grandfather really didn't have much left over here besides an occasional cousin or a brother that was still living and so about around the time that like my uncle george passed away i don't remember really coming up countryside much anymore and we really spent a lot of our time in apili yeah you know i don't my grandparents was was uh was in wailuku and my grandparents but okay, my grandfather had a job. He was working for a county. And then my grandmother was a, a housewife, which is the home and just do whatever, take care. But they had a simple life where, where they, they, uh, uh, they raised pig. Uh, my grandfather was a fisherman. So, you know, they get their own meat. They go around to the ocean bring them home, and then to get all the vegetables around, oh, at plenty of wheat, mango trees, all that, papayas, all the good kind of stuff. They never had to go, hardly go to the store unless they like eat something from the kangoos. So, everything was, uh, to me, was self-sufficient because they had everything to live on, right on the aina, it was a kind of small aina, I think it was about half an acre probably, oh maybe smaller than half an acre, but anyway they had everything inside there, so, and they, the kind, they, I used to watch my grandpa pound boy, so now I'm making all the implements and, and, and Pony boy. So I make all my boards, I make all my stone. I made, uh, so once a year, once a year I have my kids come down and we just cooey. Go down there, go harvest color, cook them up, make sulu out with fresh pai eye. Right there. Put up on tent. Even, even my grandkids can. Okay, pump boy. Small as they are, I think I think I get one about six years old, I think. Five or six. She go. So you know, at least they learn something then. They can make they can pound their own boy. So before we close out, I want to know just from your singular perspective, because I want to learn this from every Hawaiian I, I get to meet in my lifetime, is yeah. what to you is like the core for you in being Kanaka, 
and being Hawaiian and, and, and upholding our legacy and, and fighting for our people. What is, what do you, what is at, at your core in your, in your kuleana? Uh-huh. Well, you know, Jonah was, he's a, let me see, he's a good inspiration that uh, I mean, kind of learned from Jonah because when when he he made the Hawaiian Home Commission Act, mm-hmm. I never know about that. Even high school, I never know about that. Only only recently, in fact, when I started this nonprofit about three three four years ago, that's when I found out that Jonah wanted wanted the Hawaiians to be self-sufficient, him. So, so that kind of, actually, actually he didn't give me the drive. But Jonah, when he said, hey, give my people land, so can, they can ranch and farm and be self-sufficient. That's why he's here. And what are we here for? If you'd like to step up and join the fight, check out www.paupena.org. That's P-A-U-P-E-N-A.org. Or look into any of the many organizations in Hawaii and the mainland that are ready for action to protect the heritage and rights of all Kanakas. Mahalo for listening. And we hope to bring you more unique talk story sessions like this as I interview Kanakas in Hawaii and across the mainland in order to connect our stories and strengthen our community. Join us again next week for more insight into the world around us and the Hawaiians that live in it. Aloha. Rabbit Holes is a Manavakao production. This episode was produced by Kavika Hoke and Sarah Rodriguez. Make sure to subscribe and follow on your favorite podcast platforms to add our weekly episodes to your queue.